friend and listener, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's just one of those mornings, you know those mornings where it's like, oh, I mean, nothing major's happened, Listen, nobody's died yet, that could happen. But I, I, I put on a shirt, it's one of the, the shirts I bought recently, fits it perfectly, if anything was a little bit too long in the sleeve. Suddenly, it's half an inch short of my, uh, the end of my hand. Yeah, yeah, i tell you why, because we've got one of those flipping um, washer-dryers. So you wash it, and then it nukes the clothes about 90 degrees. So they come out all wrinkled. The kind of wrinkles you cannot iron... We'll start the show properly in a minute, don't worry. The kind of wrinkles you cannot iron, and your shirts are a bit small. And then... I get a nice cup of coffee from Catherine Boyle, the, uh, in inverted commas, newsreader here at BBC Three Counties Radio, and it tastes of washing up liquid. Now... The thing is, I'm not going to stop drinking it. Oh, I'm not going to stop drinking I'm not going to waste this for the moment. So, pretty poor start. I've had to email my wife saying, can we, um, when we wash my shirts, can we not put them in the, uh, the heated dry bit? I know, look at that. Look at the, uh, the, the gender stereotypical roles that we are fulfilling there. Lots coming up on the show this morning. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including... A mortgage company says a Buckinghamshire woman's house is worthless because it's too close to the proposed HS2 route. What stopped you getting a mortgage in the past? They're, they're vicious, aren't they? They're very vicious. Cheaper wigs are being provided on the NHS because of budget cuts. So many people are buying them from shops. Instead, we hear from a Luton company which has seen its sale of wigs increase. And details of Luton Town's game against Millwall have been revealed. Our uh, rough football correspondent, Justin Dealey, is still trying to convince me to go. Well, I've emailed my missus uh, to get permission. We'll see. We'll find out during the show whether I'm allowed to go. And we'll find out exactly what's happening in the next hour. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send us a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. New rules. New rules apply, please. Put your name on the text, otherwise it ain't getting read out on here. Uh, or, look, at the start of the show, the phone lines are always free. So now's an excellent time to give us a call about any of this nonsense or anything you want to talk about. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Also, there's, um, st- there's lots to talk about the Polish recently after uh, there's a story i think yesterday um tony blair was being thanked by poland well the story about the polish in the papers today is that the 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 polish is the second most spoken language in great britain one percent of the population speak polish the next closest 0.5 percent is punjabi i thought it would have thought it would have been the other way around well i'm embracing that today I'm embracing my Polish speakers. I realise this show is missing out on a huge audience, huge potential audience, by only speaking in English. So we're going to get some Polish speakers on the show later on. We're going to learn some Polish phrases. If you speak Polish, and please, nothing rude. Don't, don't, don't try and sneak in a, some potty words in a foreign language. We're going to have none of that nonsense. If you can speak some Polish, I don't know, maybe you are a Polish could you give us a call? 08459 455 555. This morning, we are going to learn some useful Polish phrases and embrace the fact that Polish is the second most spoken language in the country. Wonderful news. Love the polls. They, uh, they did my Polish team come and did all the work on my house. Thank you very much, chaps. Love that. Speaking of houses, I'm so lucky I'm moving next week. It's finally happening next Friday. Got Friday off. 
Don't know who's filling in for me. I don't care. I, I literally couldn't care less. I'm moving house. I'm sorry to be so dismissive. I am. Some people aren't quite so lucky. Oh, it's the Prever, is it? OK, the Prever's in. Good for him. Salute the Prever. Some people aren't so lucky to be able to move. Imagine if you've got a house, nice house, you think it's worth a few grand, and then you're told it's worthless. Well, that's the reality for a 97-year-old buckswoman whose house is close to the HS2 high-speed rail route at Turwiston. A potential buyer of Elfrida Harpatar's four-bedroom property had to reconsider when a mortgage lender valued the building at no pounds. Pounds zero dot zero zero pence because of its proximity to the proposed rail link. Well, we sent our reporter, Ewan Duncan, to meet her son, Mike, who began by describing the building. It's a small village mentioned in the Doomsday Book. The house itself is stone-built with some brick extension at the rear. It's dating from round the 17th century. It is listed, Grade 2 listed, and it does need some renovation work, which is fully accepted to bring it right up to the modern standards. But nevertheless, it is sound, waterproof, and crying out for a buyer. We're in Main Street, and we can see some trees away to our right in the distance, and that's roughly where the railway line is going to pass through. Yes, it is. It goes across the back of the village. You know they've got a playing field, which is heading away towards the old airfield, and the line passes just at the back of that playing field, which is really incredibly close to the village. And the big problem is that people perceive it as creating absolute havoc in the village. In the longer term, it will be noisy, I suspect, if the trains go through at the frequency they're talking about. And, of course, in the meantime, there's a lot of building work going on, and that building work is almost certainly going to cause disturbance. And that is the view which has been taken by the professional valuers used by the building society, who the prospective purchasers had applied to for a loan, of course. And it is an attractive property. It was an old post office and it's still got some of the old features, the letterbox, and you can almost envisage how it was once upon a time. It's got two main living rooms. The old shop, when the days of the shop, was the main living room. Behind that is a kitchen on one side. There's an old larder. There is, in fact, a large inglenook fireplace which can be opened up, which was in the former shop. And there's a small sitting room at the back as well. Upstairs, you've got two bedrooms. And then on the third floor, there are two further bedrooms. So it's quite a substantial property, and it has served my mother, my father before he died, and the family very well over many years. And what was your reaction when you saw that figure of naught pounds? Horror. Horror. Because it doesn't make sense. Although I stress that what they are talking about is value in relation to normal lending purposes, and that is subtly different to the bricks and mortar value if someone's willing to come along with cash. And on the market, what's it worth normally? Well, we're asking 275 and immediately prior to this, there were agents considered the possibility that it would go up, up to as much as 300,000. And this was always a very desirable village and considered actually a premium village. It is a house that's at the centre of the issue, but it's also affecting your mother and it must be causing a lot of stress. My mother is extremely concerned because she is quite incapable of moving around on her own. She is incapacitated, she is blind and worried stiff in a nutshell because she knows only too well that her savings are very close to being exhausted and when they are exhausted 
She needs to replace her funds with the proceeds of sale of this house, which at the moment is proving extremely difficult. Oh, that's sad. You and Duncan there speaking to uh, to Mike. Uh, £0. Well, the HS2 Limited Head of Land and Property, Liz Hurst, has said, we can help owners, homeowners uh, in need. Um, as you would expect, we deal with applications confidentially. That's not a word, is it? Confidentially. And we do not discuss individual cases. 08459 455 555. Had trouble getting a mortgage? What excuses are those snakes in the grass giving you for not giving you the cash you want? Three Counties Radio, 08459 455, and indeed, 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. I'm feeling perky today, a little bit sparky. Dare I say it, alive. Uh, Let's get the latest travel news now. Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, good morning. It's uh, pretty quiet on the roads. So we've got uh, no accidents or problems to report. The main uh, A routes and the motorways all looking good. And just check the trains. We've got a good service on all lines right now. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. He's in, he's out, he's off. Thank you, Alan. 
It's 6.15 on the button. It's, uh, where are we? Thursday the 31st of January. Who'd have thought it? These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bucks pensioner forced to sell her house to pay for her care home bills has been told the HS2 rail link has rendered it worthless. Police are appealing for witnesses after a gun was fired in Luton yesterday, leaving a woman with shrapnel wounds. In sport, Red Bull team principal Christian Horner has had his contract extended by the Milton Keynes-based Formula One team after being linked with a move to Ferrari. Coming up, big news for Luton Town as the schedule for the FA Cup fifth round fixtures is revealed before 6.30. We'll find out what time Luton will play Millwall and what it'll mean for the club. Weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Wet and blustery this morning, dry later. Top temperature of 10 degrees. BBC Three Counties Radio. And is the current Mrs Lee going to give me permission to go to the football with Justin Daly? Let's hope that maybe she doesn't. Mark Forrest, weeknights from seven on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, if we haven't met yet, I'm the new guy on from seven on weekday evenings. Here's the promise. Lively and engaging discussion. Remarkable people with extraordinary stories to tell. All wrapped up in the best music from the last five decades. It's new, it's different, and I think you'll like it. Mark Forrest, weeknights from seven on BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, wake up now. Details of the next round of the FA Cup have been revealed. We knew that Milton Keynes Dons will be playing Barnsley in the fifth round at home, and we now know that the game will be on Saturday, the 16th of February, at three o'clock. There is an R there that you should pronounce. It's February. The, the R's there. Why not say it? 
Luton Town are also playing that day against Millwall. I'm kind of hoping that I'm going to go to that match. It'll be my first football match ever. I've emailed my wife uh, this morning. Let me just check the emails to see if she's replied. Yeah, what I've written... <laughs> Do you want to hear what I've written? Um, hello. Saturday 16th of May... Uh, no, sa- sorry. Saturday the 16th. May I please go to a football match for the radio? <laughs> May I please go to a football match for the radio? Let's see what she says. She'll get back during the show. Uh, If I do go, it'll be with this man, our double denim correspondent, (laughs) Justin Dealey. Double denim today, Dealey. Do you know what, Ian? It feels so wrong, yet it feels so right. Not many people could carry that off. I would suggest uh, maybe Beyonce and yourself are the only two people (laughs) in the world that could make that look... Yeah, maybe Brad Pitt as well. Yeah, bring Brad into the equation. Yeah, bring him in. Yeah, Yeah, bring an old man into the equation. Absolutely. What more can you tell me about this match that I may be going to, Justin? Well, it's going to be a huge game. We know that much. It's the uh, the fifth round of the FA Cup. Luton Town haven't been that far since, what, 1994. Non-league sides, well, they just don't get this far in the FA Cup, Ian. It's been quite an incredible run for the town so far. So the game will be on February the 16th. It's a 12.45 kickoff. That means the game will be live on TV, which will bring Luton Town around £233,000. Just for for it being on TV? Just for it being on TV, which is unbelievable, which would then take their earnings over this cup run to £450,000. Wowzers. For a side like Luton Town in the non-league, it's all about buying new players to to get back into the football league. So so this is great news. Um, A lot of people kind of expected it to a certain degree an early kick-off time because a lot of people, again, we're talking about could there be trouble we need to be careful with the hype around this because Luton have played Millwall various times since that infamous night back in 1985 but then again people will look back to that because it's the first time Luton have played Millwall in the FA Cup at Kenilworth Road although it may be early in I've been out getting reaction from Luton supporters already this is Peter so Peter a 12.45 kickoff on a Saturday afternoon is that good you think? yeah definitely I think um Certainly you want the game to, to go off as smoothly as possible. Um, I don't think there'll be any trouble this time around, 25 years ago, a long time ago. So uh, I'd like to think that, yeah, it'll go off relatively safely. I mean, people will accuse the media of hyping it up, but of course this is the first time Luton have played Millwall in the FA Cup at Kenilworth Road. So you can't blame them to a certain degree, can you? No, absolutely not. I think that first and foremost they've got to make sure that everybody's safe. I think it'll be a brilliant game. It's a brilliant opportunity for Luton. Um, I mean, how often does a non-league club get this far in the cup? So it's an absolutely fantastic opportunity. And just lastly, your memories of 1985, because you were there that night. It's a horrendous night. We all know that much. Anybody that was there will never forget it. Um, In a nutshell, what's your memories of that night? Uh, Yeah, it was horrific, really. Um, The walk to the ground was was fraught with danger. I mean, when we got to the ground, it was just absolutely awful. I mean, this time round, I'm taking my son. He's 14, so got to make sure that that he's safe. Um, but it was a long time ago. The yeah. guys that were running around 30 years ago would be about 60 now. So I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to think that they're not going to be out there causing trouble. And Lucen have played Millwall many times since 1985 with no trouble at all. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think it. I think at the time the 80s it was full of football hooliganism I think the world's a different place now well I like to think it is and uh, over £200,000 to the club for this game to be televised live that's again fantastic news for the club because at Luton's level it's all about the cash isn't it oh absolutely Uh, the, the most important thing for Luton Town is to get out of this division 
So as great as the cup run is, it would just be wonderful to just go up uh, and I think all the Luton fans would take that rather than an FA Cup win. I said lastly about three questions ago. Thank you very much indeed for your time and uh, enjoy the game. Great, thanks very much. So the words there, Peter. So yes, this Cup game is important. Yes, Ian, we hope to see you down at Kenilworth Throw. But of course, the ultimate for Luton Town at the end of this season is to get promotion back into the Football League. Tickets go on sale today at noon. Uh, that's to season ticket holders. So I think we can probably expect a bit of a queue at the ticket office at Kenilworth yeah. Road. And the club, do you know what, Ian? They yes. haven't put the prices up for this. Good for them. Some clubs may have said it's a massive game. We're going to put the prices up. Is that what happens in football? Yeah, because oh. you know, a club, of course, that, that they can charge what they want to and some clubs in the past when it's been a big game a big FA Cup game they put the prices up because they know people will pay those prices fair play to those that run Luton Town they haven't done that so Justin uh, as you know I um, possibly am coming to this football match Uh, I've emailed my wife um, Saturday 16th may I please go to a football match for the radio (laughs) she's replied she replied three minutes ago oh come on yes (laughs) so I've no hang on because I've replied are you sure I don't have to? <laughs> but it, it looks like I'm coming with you. Now, please tell me we're sitting in the VIP lounge or something. I don't want to mix with people. VIP lounge at Kenilworth Road? Oh. You must be joking. No, I think we'll be in with, uh, with the press boys that day. Do uh, they do vegetarian pies there? Vegetarian pies. Um, I'll have to investigate that. I have to say that that I don't often eat any sort of pies at football grounds. That's oh. just me. I go to the local chippy before the game. Oh. Fish and chips, you know, fish and chips, and then we go into the ground. So it'll be all nice and civilised, though. Ian. And can I? I'll have some chips here. And can I leave early to beat the rush? <laughs> no, no. Oh, really? You, you've got to stay until the end, you know, because oh, this is such nuts. a huge game. The best atmosphere is at the end of the game, especially if Luton win, like the Wolves game. The atmosphere is incredible. You don't want to miss that, surely, do Daily. you? I'm coming. I'll see you there. Thank you, Ian. Thank you very much. There we go. I'm going to my first ever football match. Luton Town versus Millwall United. Is that... I don't know if that was... Is that them? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. What do I need to take with me to prepare for my very first football match? If I take a packed lunch, will I look silly? I hope not. I might take some sandwiches and some hula hoops. Maybe a carrot. I don't know if I'm feeling healthy. All the leaves are
I've been going through a little bit of a mamas and papas thing at home, and I have the Mama Cass uh, biography that uh, I, I read years ago, and I'm kind of thinking, once I've finished my Neil Young, which is a cracking book, the Neil Young book, it's just like, I don't even like Neil Young that much, but list, reading his book, it's just like ha- having an old friend kind of telling you some stories, and some of them are really good stories, and some of them you kind of go, well, that's not really much of a story, but it's great. Anyway, the Mama Cass book is next. I'm trying to find a story. Uh, in the newspaper, and I can't find it, but basically it's saying that uh, Polish is the second most spoken language in this country. 1% of the population speak Polish. Uh, 0.5% is the next uh, language, uh, Punjabi, closely followed by Urdu. See, I thought I thought Urdu would have been... I can speak Urdu. Oh, I can speak Urdu. I can count to... Yeah, I can speak Urdu. That's That's 1 to 10. Kabuta, that's pigeon. I can speak Urdu, that's fine. I'm a little bit rusty on my Polish. I can say two phrases, and I think they're, I think they're for adults only. I think my Polish friend at school, Stanley Kajava, told me these phrases, saying, oh, these will help you, and actually, um, they're quite rude. So uh, it, w- w- I want to embrace the fact that Polish is the second most spoken language in this country. If we've got any Polish people or Polish speakers listening to the show, I know, long shot. We broadcast in English. That's going to change, kids. That's going to change. Could you phone up and give us some essential Polish phrases, please? 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel in English. Don't panic. Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. I have to say, I do know some. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you know? Well, my girlfriend's part Polish, so I know some, but mostly the bad words. This is the thing. When we learn foreign languages, Alan, we, why do we always go straight for the naughty ones? I know. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so I, probably most of those are unbroadcast. Oh, in that case, let's carry on as we are in English, sir. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we've got some overhead wire problems on the trains between St Neots and uh, Biggleswade. So the lines are open, but there are delays of up to 20 minutes uh, between uh, Peterborough and uh, London at King's Cross. So overhead wire problems between uh, Biggleswade and uh, St Neots, causing some slight delays for train services. But the roads... Pretty quiet, actually. Not much going on for the A1, uh, the M25, the M1. All looking clear right now. No reported accidents or problems. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thank you very much for doing it in English and without any indoor language of any language. Let's get the latest news and sport. Fingers crossed. She won't swear. Got a potty mouth on her. It's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. A Buckinghamshire pensioner forced to sell her house to pay for her care home bills has been told the HS2 rail link has rendered it worthless. Police are appealing for witnesses after a gun was fired in Luton yesterday, leaving a woman with shrapnel wounds. And millions of low-income households face a steep rise in their council tax bills from April. That's according to a think tank, the Resolution Foundation. Beds, hearts and bucks, sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester United have widened the gap at the top of the Premier League table to seven points after beating South Hampton 2-1 at Old Trafford. Chelsea threw away a two-goal lead in the last two minutes at the Medeski Stadium to draw two-all with Reading. Liverpool also squandered a 2-0 lead as Arsenal fought back to draw two-all at the Emirates. And elsewhere in the Premier League, Tottenham drew one-all with Norwich. Fulham were 3-1 winners over West Ham at Craven Cottage. And Everton beat West Brom 2-1. Luton are in line for 230,000. 
£1,000 after their FA Cup fifth round tie at home to Millwall was selected for live television. The Hatters have posted ticket selling arrangements on their website for the game, which will kick off at 12.45 on Saturday, February the 16th and will be shown on satellite channel ESPN. MK Dons at home to Barnsley won't be televised live and that kicks off at 3pm on Saturday the 16th. Red Bull team principal Christian Horner's had his contract extended by the Milton Keynes-based Formula One team after being linked with a move to Ferrari. The Tilbrook outfit will uh, chase a fourth successive title in 2013. More from Simon Oxley. 39-year-old Horner has agreed a multi-year extension, having been at the helm since Red Bull entered the sport in 2005 after taking over the Jaguar team. Red Bull and Sebastian Vettel have won the Constructors' and Drivers' titles for the past three years, and the Milton Keynes team are due to unveil their 2013 car at the factory on Sunday before testing starts in Spain on Tuesday. Finally, rugby in England will confirm their starting 15 today for Saturday's Six Nations opener at home to Scotland. Former Bedford player Billy Twelvetrees is expected to make his debut with Saracens Owen Farrell at fly half and Alex Good at fullback after overcoming a shoulder injury. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 7 o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. That's the phone number. There's a lady and a gentleman there. I don't know who they were, but they gave you the phone number twice. If you don't call it, that's just rude, isn't it? Disrespectful. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up, including millions of low-income households face a steep rise in their council tax bills from April, according to an independent research group. We'll be looking at how you could be affected. And also, we'll look at why people who need wigs on the NHS are finding they are being provided uh, with cheaper hair pieces. But back to this story about the council tax. New research suggests low-income families in most parts of England will have to pay more council tax from April. The government is cutting the support it provides, with councils told to pass the cost on or make savings elsewhere. Well, reporter Simon Thompson has got more details. Uh, Simon, why could people on low incomes be hit with big increases in council tax? Well, council tax benefit is currently given to low-income households to help pay their annual bill. It's if they've got no income, uh, if they're on benefits or, or very low income. And about 5 million people receive the benefit across England each year at about a cost of about £4 billion. About half of those get full support, meaning they pay nothing at all towards council tax. But from April, the government is cutting the support it gives to, to this benefit by 10% to save about half a billion pounds. And, and it's changing the system so that the owners will be on councils themselves decide who gets that benefit. Uh, so councils will have to decide whether to pass on that cut onto local residents or not. Some authorities are finding savings elsewhere or other ways to raise money to avoid passing on the, the cutting benefits to, uh, to council tax payers. Uh, but the report by the Resolution Foundation, which is a think tank, suggests that three quarters of local councils in England are going to demand more money from the lowest income households. And on average, a typical bill could rise between £100-£250 a year, some even more. A huge increase, of course, for those on, on very low and fixed incomes. Why is the government making these changes? Is it, is it just to, to save money? It's both. It's to save money and also because it believes this is a way of actually getting people, encouraging people, believe it or not, back into work, uh, reducing the benefit and encouraging them, supporting them to to get back into work as quickly as possible. The ministers say the total paid out in council tax benefit has doubled under the last government and welfare reform is vital to tackle the budget's deficit. Government says more money is currently spent on benefits than on defence, education 
and health combined. And it says there's no need for councils to ask the lowest income households for more money. Instead, they should find more efficient ways, they say, of operating, protecting the vulnerable and delivering better value for money uh, by finding efficiencies elsewhere. Now, the local government minister, Brandon Lewis, says we're cutting council tax in real terms for hardworking families and pensioners and we're on the side of people who work hard and want to get on. Uh, but the, uh, certainly the local government association, which represents local authorities, says paying the tax will be pretty low down the priority list when, of course, you've got to feed yourself and feed your children, and that could mean overall collection rates for the council tax go down, meaning less money for all council services. What are the councils saying, then? Well, many councils accuse ministers of devolving responsibility entirely uh, from themselves and uh, passing it on to councils, and what is for really a hugely controversial cut. Uh, there are 326 councils in England, and they could be left with a shortfall, they say, if they intend to maintain levels of existing payments to those on low incomes for council tax contributions. Some are, are trying to find the savings elsewhere in their budgets, uh, but at least 40 local authorities have decided to maintain the current levels of support. But many local government really that councils could be left with a real financial black hole because the cost of pursuing people through the courts, of course, could be much higher than the amount uh, actually owed. And, and, and some are seeing this as the, uh, the poll tax, uh, likening it to uh, the, the change back in the 1980s, of course, in that people are asked for a contribution regardless of their ability to pay. And what's been the reaction elsewhere? Well, Gavin Kelly from the Resolution Foundation says millions of England's poorest households, both in and out of work, are already, of course, very close to the edge, and they're going to find this change very hard to cope with. Uh, Labour says the policy is deeply unfair and will cause havoc with hundreds of thousands of people unable to pay their bills. And we've already mentioned the local government association. They're saying, that, really warning, that collection rates could go down, uh, meaning there's actually less money ultimately in local government coffers to pay for, for existing council services. Simon Thompson, thank you very much indeed. Well, does, does that worry you? I'd be slightly concerned. 08459 455 555. Do you think that's fair? That, that if you're on a lower income, get a little bit of help with your council tax. That might be withdrawn in an attempt to save money. Or maybe, <coughs> excuse me, frogging my throat, you're thinking, well, hang on, why should anyone get help with their council tax? I've got to pay it. Why should they not pay it? I remember I lived alone for um, a couple of years and was paying my council tax. I split up with a girl. She moved out. These things happen. It's life. Uh, and then someone said, you know, uh, you know you can get a reduction on your council tax for living on your own. I didn't know that! Oh, I was straight in there. Got a rebate. It was wonderful. I love rebates. Um, but what, what do you think? 08459 455 555. Should these people be... Should people on lower incomes... These people, how patronising. Should people on lower incomes be helped out, or, or should everyone pay the same? I've got to say, we've got some cracking music this morning. Kelly Betts has sorted out some wonderful tunes for us. Bit of Otis Redding, Dock of the Bay. Oh, yes, please. Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting when the evening comes Watching the ships roll in And then I'll watch them roll away again Yeah, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time I left my home in Georgia Headed for the Frisco Bay Cause I've had nothing to live for And look like nothing's gonna come my way 
so I'm just gonna sit on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time Independent, page five, proper news. Polish makes itself heard as the new voice of Britain. More than 500,000 people in the UK speak Polish as their first language. See, these, here are your top ten of languages spoken in the United Kingdom. Hang on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, we can do top ten. Okay, so number ten. Here we can. <laughs> I think number 10, this may go horribly wrong. Portuguese. There are 133,000 Portuguese speakers as their first language. Uh, what? The, number nine, it's Chinese, right? But that excludes Mandarin and Cantonese. What? Well, hang on, what are, how, how many languages have these crazy Chinese got? Uh, number eight, French, with 147,000 people with French as their first language. Really? I don't think I've ever met a French person in England. No, I don't. No, I haven't. I've never met a French person in England. You think about it, you haven't, have you? Ever. Even in, um, uh, what's that, there's, there's a, a chain of French restaurants where everyone speaks with their French accent, but I don't think they're French. I I'm not going to say it on the air. Yeah, that's, that's the one, yeah, that's the one. Uh, I don't want to say it in case it's libelous, because maybe they are French, but their French accents are so over the top. Would you like a baguette with them, monsieur? I don't think that they are French. It's only a little bit racist, don't worry. Um, at number seven, Arabic, 159,000. Yes, I've met some Arabic speakers. Uh, number six, Gujarati. You're welcome. At number five, Bengali. Number four, Urdu. Number three, Punjabi. So number two is Polish. And can anyone guess? Can anyone guess what the number one spoken language is in Great Britain? Anybody? Anybody? No, it's not German, Ollie. No, no, no. It's English. It's English. There we go. Who'd, who'd have thunk it? We're set today, we're celebrating the magic of the Polish language. Polski sklep. That's, uh, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's Polish shop. Because I've seen that written down. I have no idea how to pronounce it. I want some Polish speakers on the air, please. I believe D Adili is out and about trying to find some for us, and we will speak to them uh, a little bit later on. Uh, let's have a look at the front pages. The Independent... Uh, new poll tax blow for UK's poorest. So that's the story we were just talking about there. Reforms leave millions facing bills of up to £600. Now, this is interesting. Remember that runner, who, uh, that young lady, uh, Claire Squires, uh, who collapsed and died in the marathon last year? And it was all very sad, a mile from the finishing line. And she raised, in the end, she raised like £1.2 million for the Samaritans on her uh, Just Giving website or whatever it was. 
Well, it turns out she'd taken an over-the-counter stimulant, which has since been, oh, since been banned, which is likely to have contributed to her death. I'm never, ever... Every station I've worked in... Uh, do you fancy uh, doing the London Marathon? No. It's never, ever going to happen. I'll write you a cheque. I'll write you a cheque. What do you want, 50 quid? 75 quid. If it's children's charity, 80 quid. But no, I'm not going to run the marathon. And if I ever did run the marathon, I would do it and not get sponsored. I'd do it for my own self. I hate that thing. I'm uh, running the marathon. Just wonder if you fancy sponsoring me. Well, I don't really, but you've asked me, so I can't say no now because I'd look like a complete backside, wouldn't I? The email goes round. Hi, guys. Um, you don't know me. It's Tony from Accounts. Um, anyway, um, I'm running the London Marathon. It's for Spina Bifida. Uh, would you be able to spot... Well, now you've said... Now you've asked me and you've mentioned the charity, I have to say yes. With my natural reaction... It's for a cat with asthma. I'd rather... Listen, they're all good charities and they raise a lot of money, but I'm just saying I would rather write a cheque and not, never run a marathon. Never running it. Uh, the Daily Telegraph. No more defence cuts, says Cameron. Um, to think like a superhero, pretend that you are one. Here we go. This is my boy again. It is by no means an excuse to wear your pants on the outside, but, but, but acting the part of a superhero can make you start to behave one like one in real life. A study has found. Jeez, really? Why don't you go and study what causes cancer? Yeah? Why don't you go and study what drugs might stop AIDS happening? Scientists who created a virtual reality environment that enabled volunteers to fly like Superman, Superman found that the participants were more helpful to others afterwards. Really? The Daily Telegraph is rapidly turning into the sun. We do two more, then we'll, uh, we're going to get the travel. The Times. Charity at heart of massive tax avoidance scam. One of Britain's biggest charities is a front for tax avoidance. Wealthy donors use the Cup Trust to avoid £46 million in tax and an extensive abuse of gift aid incentives. The registered charity raised a total of £176 million over the two years. In 2010, it attracted more donations than the RSPB, the Hart Foundation or the Salvation Army. But instead of using the money for its stated objective to improve the lives of young children and adults, it carried out trades. Oh, I see. OK, right. The naughty business. And The Guardian. Prince Charles is on the tube. This is brilliant. You see this? There's a brilliant picture of Prince Charles, like, on the tube, right? It's brilliant. I think this is so cool. Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall take a tube to King's Cross. He's not been on the tube for 27 years, okay? Do you know how he got to the tube? In a chauffeur-driven limousine. Isn't that brilliant? He didn't get the bus, like you or me. Didn't walk. He got a chauffeur-driven limousine to get on the Metropolitan Line. Fantastic. Travel news now, Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Bet you that train was spotless. We've got uh, 20 minute delays on the trains in and out of King's Cross right now. There's uh, overhead wire problems between St Neots and uh, Biggleswade. The lines are open, but uh, delays are up to uh, 20 minutes on all trains in and out of London King's Cross. The roads are looking okay, actually. It's fairly quiet, not much going on on the motorways. Uh, roadworks near Buckingham on the A421 uh, near the total roundabout. And the Dunstable Road in uh, Flittick. There's some roadworks around the junction with Church Road. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thank you very much indeed. Indeed, I'm a little bit late for the news because my wife has just said, no, please, go. It will be nice to get you out of the house for the day. So I'm definitely going to Millwall versus Luton. We'll discuss this more in a bit. 6.47, look at the time. It's Thursday the 31st of January. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
A Buckinghamshire pensioner forced to sell her house to pay for her care home bills has been told by uh, told the HS2 Railink has rendered it worthless. Police are appealing for witnesses after a gun was fired in Luton yesterday, leaving a woman with shrapnel wounds. In sport, Luton's FA Cup fifth round tie at home to Millwall has been selected for live television. It'll net the club a £230,000 windfall. I'll be going. Coming up before seven, we'll look at why people who need wigs on the NHS are finding they're being provided with cheaper hair pieces. But before that, oh, she's back, Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. Back after five days, beautiful, um, beautiful holiday. Although Wendy uh, Hurrell is excellent. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll pass that on. Uh, Will I bring back the uh, the wet weather? I know we've had quite a lot over the last few days. It's here again today. We've got it pushing in from the west at the moment. That's going to be pushing off, I think, through the mid morning. But certainly a very wet rush hour for most of us, with some blustery showers following on behind. So wet and windy for much of the morning, but lots of dry weather around this afternoon with. Some good spells of sunshine too. Everything's on the mild side. Temperatures up to 9 or 10 degrees later on in Luton and Stevenage and Aylesbury as well. That's 50 in Fahrenheit. So not feeling not feeling too bad. Certainly if you find a sunny spot then, uh, then it'll feel quite nice for January actually. Um, overnight tonight a dry first half of the night and then we've got more rain coming in as we head into tomorrow morning. A very soggy start to the day tomorrow. Some rather large puddles from this. A lot of rain within a short space of time. We've got a Met Office warning out for rain tomorrow. That rain will push off during the course of the morning but it will be a very wet start to the day some longer spells of rain around tomorrow afternoon and a northerly wind so it's all going to feel much colder again by the time we get to Saturday we'll probably see a little bit of sleep perhaps even some snow over the Chilterns as well on Friday night but not elsewhere don't worry that's the forecast thank you Elizabeth I'll be honest we got better weather with Wendy didn't we Every Saturday morning from nine, we play the songs from your youth. Such as the Beatles, the Rolling Stones and ABBA. So yes, you'll hear the classics, but also those surprise songs as well. Your music, your memories. Plus, of course, your chance to test my jukebox of one million records. School's Out with Justin Dealey. Every Saturday morning from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Such as the Beatles, the Rolling Stones and ABBA. Dealey's double denim today. Double denim Dealey. That's, there's, a, there's a TV format in that, isn't there? Now it's time for double denim Dealey. This week, Dealey wears some double denim in a castle in Scotland. 08459 455 555. I'm going to my first ever football match. Luton versus Millwall. What do I need to take with me? What do I, what do I need to do? Are there some chants that I should be learning? I don't want to look left. I don't want to feel left out. No called Mr. Rock and Roll. He's dancing on his own again. Talking on his phone again to someone. Who tells him that his balance is low. He's got nowhere to go. He's on his own again. Rock of the century is acting like she used to be Dancing like there's no one there Before she ever seemed to care Now she wouldn't dare It's so rock and roll to feel no home And they'll meet one day 
Lots of you are being very rude about what I should take to the Millwall Luton match. People saying body armour, clean pair of pants. Come on now. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Um, it's up there. Ian is uh, going to Luton Town versus Mill. Unless something happens. I'm, this is not 100%, OK? I keep, I've emailed my wife so many times going, look, honestly, if it's trouble, we'll, we'll have just moved into the new house. No, go! But we're asking the question, what, uh, advice or tips, what should I take with me? Well, Trudy Wren says the obligatory scarf. Do people still do that? Like the Bay City Rollers concerts. They do that where they... New blues. What colour are Luton Town? Are they the blues or the reds? Laura, producer Laura, do you know, are they the blues or the reds? Uh, Reds. Okay, come on, you reds. Come on. What what are they? Orange. They're the orange. Come on, you oranges. So I do that. Toilet roll, she says as well. Why would I need toilet roll? They have toilet roll there, don't they? They have toilet facilities. Oh, Carl, please. Plasters, bandages and bricks when Millwall... No, 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 no. We're not hyping up this, this, this potential violent threat. It's going to go smoothly. If there's any trouble between the football fans, I tell you what, I will quite happily smooth it out. I, I don't mind stepping in there and smoothing it out. Of course. Of course. Not a problem at all. Now... People who need wigs on the NHS are finding that they're being provided with cheaper hairpieces because of budget cuts. That's according to the chairman of the Wig Suppliers Group. George Toiver says many people who suffer from alopecia or are going through chemotherapy are forced to pay extra money towards the cost of their wig because many hospitals are not contributing enough towards that cost. Well, our reporter Victoria Cook went to Julia's wig shop in Luton where sales of wigs have seen a 113% increase year on year. She spoke to Mohammed Noor about why. We go to shop across the road. So we used to have really small room there with less number of wigs. People used to come and they used to ask us to have more variety, more variety. So when this shop was empty, so we got a chance and we just hired this place and we opened a big shop with more wigs. But is there a demand in Luton for wigs then? Yes, people ask for it. Like um, some people, they got like um, alopecia. 
they just lose their hair they don't have hair so they come they buy from us or some people they got like uh, they do therapy chemotherapy so their hair is falling they like to go for a week so right. have you seen an increase in people coming in with things like alopecia and people that are going through chemotherapy and people that want wigs is there an increase in that well uh, yes certainly it, it it's becoming more more and more popular but once we open this shop we got a big display so people from different area comes from Milton Keynes, Stevenage, okay, Dunstable, so they come as well. I imagine for people that are losing their hair, this must be a lifeline for them. Yeah, certainly it is lifeline for them because, well, normally they put hats on, but with the hairstyle they can do and and they wear wigs and they go out. No one know that that's how we go. It must be quite an emotional thing for someone who perhaps is losing their hair. They come in here and see one of your wigs and you transform them. Yeah, sometimes, you know, when people come, they see and they said, oh, we're going to tell more of our friends as well. Because some of them um, who are working in hospitals and they deal with people suffering from therapies or alopecia, so they tell more, most of their friends and they come as well. So it's become more and more popular. And how important do you think it is for people who perhaps are suffering from cancer or alopecia to come in and get away? How important do you think it is for them? To be honest, now nowadays everyone wants to look pretty. So to have nice hairstyle adds charm to their beauty. I think if they got uh, they put on wigs, they don't feel shy. Well, later on, we'll... Oh, I do apologise, sir. Excuse me. Later on, we'll speak to George Toiver, the chairman of the Wig Suppliers Group. And we want to hear from you. Do you wear a wig? <coughs> Excuse me. Why and how important is your wig for you? <coughs> Excuse me, I do apologise. How rude. I should have put the microphone down. You didn't want to hear me having a clarty throat, did you? Well, you heard it. You got it live on BBC Three Counties Radio. Ian Lee having a cough. Because... I would imagine that there are now more women wearing wigs because it, men being bald, it's not such a big deal now, is it really? Very rarely do you see, do I see a gentleman wearing a wig or do I notice? You can always tell when it is a wig, can't you? I saw a fella in uh, Sainsbury's not too long ago. He had a wig on. It was inside out. I know. It was inside out. And he looked fine. You know, he was fine. He wasn't bonkers or anything. He, he's obviously got dressed in a hurry we've all done that we left our flies open not buttoned up all the, the the buttons on the shirt he put his wig on inside out do you wear one oh eight four five nine four double five five double five and uh, why is this important for you do you think the nhs should spare more on wigs oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number you can go to the facebook page facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr or you can send me an email 3cr at bbc.co.uk that's also if you want to get in touch with us during when we're not on the air during some of the other shows that are broadcast uh, do send us an email and just mark in the subject heading ian lee or breakfast and it will get to us and that's a great way to get in touch if there's something happening near you that you think oh well bbc three counties aren't covering this and they should send this in we'll have a little look at it you might get to meet victoria cook or justin dealey how exciting would that be dreams can come true look at me babe i'm into you anyway sorry travel news now alan cowley beds hearts and bucks travel bbc three counties radio well, on the trains, there are delays of up to 20 minutes on the East Coast Main Line. That's uh, train services to and from London, King's Cross, because of overhead wire problems between Biggleswade and St Neots. On the roads, the M1 southbound now looking slow from Junction 12, Flittick, towards 10 at Luton Airport. And just short delays on the anti-clockwise M25 from Junction 16, the M40, round to 15 at the M4. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. Two things I'm after this morning from you. Quite often. 
often we supply all the content, but every now and then I kind of look to you, dear listener, to maybe help us out a little bit where we are missing two things. First thing is, I'm going, probably, to the Millwall-Luton match uh, a week Saturday. Never been to a football match before. What should I take with me? Do you know any chants? Do I need to take a packed lunch? Some hula hoops? And also, we're celebrating the fact that Polish is the second most spoken language in Great Britain. Could you phone up and teach me some Polish phrases? Here's the news with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. The headlines, HS2 leads to house valuation of zero, witness appeal after Luton shooting and low-income households set for higher tax bills. BBC Three Counties Radio. A Buckinghamshire pensioner forced to sell her home to pay for her care home has been told the government's plans for a high-speed rail route has rendered it worthless. Elfrida Harpertar found a buyer for the house in Turiston, but they pulled out when the mortgage lender valued it at zero because of its proximity to HS2. Mrs Harpertar's son, Mike, says his mother's worked hard all her life, but the government's plans mean it's all come to nothing. An old lady of 97, who they originally in 1998 gave the MBE to for services, they don't seem to think much of that any longer, and she is being cast to the wolves, really, unless they turn around and suddenly start to really come to their own and make sure that she is looked after and helped under the hardship scheme, if we cannot find someone else who's willing to come along and buy it. Police are appealing for witnesses after a gun was fired in Luton yesterday, leaving a woman with shrapnel wounds. It's thought the victim and her partner were involved in an argument with two men on Russell Street at around 2pm. Officers are trying to trace a white car with a long bonnet seen heading away from the area after the incident. Three quarters of councils in England are expected to ask their lowest income households to pay more council tax from April. Research from the Resolution Foundation Think Tank suggests that most councils will start charging to make up for a shortfall when support from central government's cut by 10%. Some councils will cover the loss by making cuts or raising charges. Two and a half million households in which no one works will lose their exemption from the tax and the lowest paid households of working age will have to pay at least 8.5% of their council tax. A slip road on the A1M in Letchworth will remain closed for several months because of fears about safety. The southbound exit towards Stevenage at Junction 9 was closed in December after 20 vehicles collided with the barriers. Motorists who'd normally use the slip road are having to take a diversion. Chris Shaw from the Highways Agency said there was no single reason for the accidents. Information we're receiving from Hertfordshire Police indicates in, in most cases it's loss of control or high speed by vehicles coming down the free throw slip road from the Bulldog Bypass. A group of MPs is urging the government to rethink plans to scrap GCSEs in core subjects in England. The Education Select Committee says there's little evidence the replacement English baccalaureate certificates will help less able students. Ministers say the new exams are needed to raise standards. In sport, Red Red Bull team principal Christian Horner's had his contract extended by the Milton Keynes-based Formula One team after being linked with a move to Ferrari. The Tilbrook outfit will chase a fourth successive title in 2013. The weather wet and blustery this morning, but drier with a top temperature of 10 degrees Celsius, that's 50 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show this morning, lots. 
including what stopped you getting a mortgage in the past. They make it difficult, don't they? They really do make it... Oh, no, we're lending now. No, we're... I, I, I'm moving house. I'm, my mortgage is going to be less because of where we're moving from and moving to. It's going to be less. I still had to jump through hoops to get a lower mortgage. I said, but, but hang on a second. Hang on. I'm paying off bits of my mortgage. It's, you're going to be lending me less money. Well, you know, we... Oh, it was a nightmare. Well, as you heard in the news, a 97-year-old woman selling a property in Buckinghamshire has been told her house is worth nothing because it's so close to the high-speed two-rail route. Cheaper wigs are being provided on the NHS because of budget cuts. Many people are having to buy them from shops instead. Have you found that it's difficult to find a wig that suits you? And Polish has become the most commonly spoken non-native language in England and Wales. I want some polls on the air this morning talking to me in Polish. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Can I just say, the G2, the, the Guardian, pull out. It's this, this stealing this show. So, page three. Sheila Fogarty uh, on, uh, on uh, the radio. Got Adam Mouse in the studio. Yeah, we did that. We did that over Christmas. We did that and a mouse in the studio of Christmas got there first. Ah! Page two. My hunt for the £8,000 art gallery check. Somewhere inside Milton Keynes... We did this story yesterday, I don't know if you remember. Somewhere inside Milton Keynes Gallery, artist Thomas Georgeson has hidden a blank check for £8,000 and word has already spread. Come midday on Wednesday, the area is busier than usual. Standing outside the glass doors ten minutes before opening is 74-year-old Vince Moxon. I've come for the aesthetic value of the contents of the exhibition, he says. No, not really, I'm here for the check. <laughs> we did this, and um, we did this yesterday. The more I think about this, I think this is a wind-up. I, think that, I don't think this Thomas Georgeson chap has actually put a check. And I put, I, I put this out to you, Mr Georgeson. If you've put a check in that gallery, come on the air and tell me you've put it there. Because I don't believe you have. He was supposed... I've got friends in uh, the one and six... One and six? Oh, sorry, the one o'clock news and the six o'clock news on BBC television. Yeah, that's right, the one and six. Uh, and they phoned me up to say, oh, we believe you spoke to the artist yesterday. We said, no, we couldn't get hold of him. And they told me he was due to be on the one o'clock news and then he pulled out. Now, that to me would suggest that this, this isn't happening, that he, he's, he, he said this is a joke uh, and it's got a little bit too big and now he's starting to panic a little bit. I don't think he's put an £8,000 cheque in there. I think he's going to come out in a month and go, well, uh, whether the cheque was there or not is irrelevant. The actual uh, art was the concept that there could be a cheque in a gallery. Yeah, right. Georgeson, cu- come on. Stop being silly. Come on the radio. Come on BBC Three Counties Radio and tell me. 08459 455 555. Have you really put a cheque in that gallery? I don't think you have. I think this is all nonsense, and we fell for it yesterday. We got suckered in. If I'm wrong, come and tell me. Now, how would you react? We all like to think our houses are wonderful and worth fortunes and that they're beautiful and they're our palaces. Supposing someone said, ah, your house, yeah, worthless. Well, that's the reality for a 97-year-old Bucks pensioner whose house is close to the HS2 high-speed rail, rail route at Turbiston. A potential buyer of Elfrida Harpatar's four-bedroom property had to reconsider when a mortgage lender valued the building at £0 because it's near the proposed rail link. Well, our reporter, Ewan Duncan, has been to meet her son, Mike, who began by describing the building. It's a small village mentioned in the Doomsday Book... The house itself is stone-built with some brick extension at the rear. It's dating from round the 17th century. It is listed, Grade 2 listed, and it 
does need some renovation work, which is fully accepted to bring it right up to the modern standards. But nevertheless, it is sound, waterproof and crying out for a buyer. We're in Main Street and we can see some trees away to our right in the distance. And that's roughly where the railway line is going to pass through. Yes, it is. It goes across the back of the village. You know they've got a playing field which is heading away towards the old airfield and the line passes just at the back of that playing field which is really incredibly close to the village and the big problem is that people perceive it as creating absolute havoc in the village in the longer term it will be noisy I suspect if the trains go through at the frequency they're talking about and of course in the meantime there's a lot of building work going on and that building work is almost certainly going to cause disturbance and that is the view which has been taken by the professional valuers used by the building society who the prospective purchasers had applied to for a loan of course and it is an attractive property it was an old post office and it's still got some of the old features the letterbox and you can almost envisage how it was once upon a time it's got two main living rooms the old shop when the days of the shop was the main living room behind that is a kitchen on one side there's an old larder there is in fact a large inglenook fireplace which can be opened up which was in the former shop and there's a small sitting room at the back as well upstairs you've got two bedrooms and then on the third floor there are two further bedrooms so it's quite a substantial property and it has served my mother my father before he died and the family very well over many years and what was your reaction when you saw that figure of naught pounds horror horror because it doesn't make sense although i stress that what they are talking about is value in relation to normal lending purposes and that is subtly different to the bricks and water value if someone's willing to come along with cash and on the market what's it worth normally well we're asking 275 and immediately prior to this there were agents considered the possibility that it would go up up to as much as 300,000 and this was always a very desirable village and considered actually a premium village. It is a house that's at the centre of the issue but it's also affecting your mother and it must be causing a lot of stress. My mother is extremely concerned because she is quite incapable of moving around on her own. She is incapacitated, she is blind and worried stiff in a nutshell because she knows only too well that her savings are very close to being exhausted and when they are exhausted she needs to replace her funds with the proceeds of sale of this house which at the moment is proving extremely difficult. Well, we can talk to Steve Baker who's an independent financial advisor in Buckinghamshire. Morning, Steve. Good morning. How does a house get valued at naught pounds? Yes, what's happened here and, and the gentleman that was interviewed hit the nail on the head. The valuer hasn't been out and valued it on its bricks and mortar value. What he's valued it at is something called the forced sale value. So what he's done is he's gone out, he's looked at it, and from a lender's perspective, what he's thought is, worst case scenario, what if the new borrowers default on the mortgage and it has to be repossessed? Mm. At that point in time, it's not an asset to the lender, it's a liability, it's on their books, they want rid of it. So it goes into what's called a forced sale which may mean going to auction and what he's saying is the resale value of that property in his opinion Mm. is very very poor so from a lending point of view they do not want to lend on that property because it, it potentially 
could prove to be a liability to them, not an asset. Property prices, it, it's all smoke and mirrors, isn't it, really? Because it, it, it's whatever a house is worth, whatever you want to pay for that house. Uh, and if a lender isn't prepared to lend, uh, to, to buy a house, then it, it kind of, it, it sort of does make it worth naught pounds, doesn't it? Because if no one can get borrow the money to buy that house, then you can't sell it. It's, it's a strange situation, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, the gentleman again was right that if somebody wants to buy this property, they're going to have to be, would appear, because what you've got to remember is that that valuer, whoever it may have been, will be on the panel of most of the big lenders because mm. they panel out the, the valuation um, part of the process. So he'll be, so whoever, if, if the potential buyer wanted to go and try a different lender, they're probably going to end up with the same result, sadly. So they're going to need a cash buyer. And how many people are out there with £275,000? sloshing around in the back pocket well not me since my weekend anyway is this an ex- <laughs> is this an extreme case steve does this happen very often no it doesn't happen very often it cannot i mean sometimes you get extreme cases where a property is in need of renovation and they may apply what's called a retention i've seen that and sometimes you can have what's called a hundred percent retention but what, what's means- retention what does that mean well, what a retention is, the lender says, I will lend you X number of pounds, but until essential work is carried out, I'm going to keep back Y. Right. Uh, and, and I've seen 100% retention. So let's say this case, 275, they said 100% retention until certain work is done. I'll keep the 275, but upon reinspection, providing the work is being carried out to our satisfaction, we will lend you 275. What they've said in this case is, we just don't want to lend it in any yeah. shape or form. Have you come across any other examples of HS2 impacting on people's house prices? Prices? No, it's really just starting to... Uh, well, I say no. Yes, I have, actually. A, a, a friend, somebody, a chap I used to know through, through my son's rugby, um, he has a, a business and a, and a large property, and, and the line is going to pass very close to the back of, of, of his garden, and he was telling me that it's absolutely decimated the, the value of his place. So I'm aware of it on a personal basis, but not to this extent in a, in a professional capacity. No, it, it's that must be shocking. that must be gutting because we we still look even when the, the housing market kind of dipped, we still look at, at how, buying a house as an investment. So to suddenly I don't know how much your friend has lost what twenty grand, thirty grand or to be wiped off the price of the house. That's devastating, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, obviously, people are now relying upon their property um, a lot more as part of their retirement provision because you hope to to make a gain and crystallise that gain and that's going to help you retire and you can suddenly see your retirement funds being wiped out. It must be dreadful for this poor lady. Uh, Steve, listen, thank you very much. I appreciate your, uh, your time there. It's, it's a fascinating story. Steve Baker there, who's an independent financial advisor based in Buckinghamshire. Call 08459 four double five five double five. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. Subject of wigs. People who are getting wigs on the NHS are getting um, cheaper wigs due to cutbacks. Perhaps slightly less convincing. Carol has said uh, on the email, of course the NHS should pay out more money for wigs. Most of the wigs worn uh, by women, uh, uh, most of the wigs worn by women have lost their uh, crowning glory through chemotherapy. My dear departed mum cried for days when she lost her hair, along with being pumped up on steroids and two dress sizes bigger. The last thing she needed was a poor quality wig to make her feel even less attractive. Thank you for that, Carol, and I can totally understand that. And in some respects, uh, being given a wig through the NHS because you're on chemo or or another treatment, I guess is the same as being given a walking stick. Or, or, or a wheelchair. It's, you know, it's, it's an occupational therapy thing that would be dished out. But there are some that might say, well, really, wigs? If we need to make cutbacks, then maybe we should cut, make cutbacks there. 
you know, women who've lost their hair look fantastic. I think they look fantastic bald anyway, but I can understand why some people wouldn't want to look like that and would want to cover that up. Um, I don't, I've got no idea how much a wig costs. When we get our wig chap on, we'll, we'll find out and see how much a wig costs. I've got no idea. 10 quid, 50 quid, 100 quid? I don't know. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. Maybe you know the answer to that. 7.15. Travel News Now, Alan Cowie. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the trains, there are delays of up to 20 minutes on the East Coast Main Line to and from London, King's Cross. That's because of uh, problems with the overhead wires between St Neots and Biggleswade. On the roads, uh, not a huge amount to report. Some road closures in the centre of uh, Luton, Russell Street and St Saviour's Crescent closed for police investigation works, but uh, they shouldn't cause any issues for traffic. Fairly uh, minor routes. The M1 southbound, that's slow from Junction 12, Flittick towards 10, Luton Airport. And the anti-clockwise M25, uh, just short delays from Junction 16, which is the M4 to round to 15 at the M4. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thank you very much indeed. Look at that, 7.16 exactly. It's Thursday the 31st of January. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Buckinghamshire pensioner forced to sell her home to pay care home bills has been told its proximity to the planned high-speed rail route has rendered it worthless. Police are appealing for witnesses after a gun was fired in Luton yesterday, leaving a woman with shrapnel wounds. In sport, Luton are in line for a £230,000 windfall as their FA Cup fifth round tight home to Millwall has been selected for live television. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, wet and blustery this morning, drier later with a top temperature of 10 degrees. Coming up, millions of low-income households face a steep rise in their council tax bills from April, according to a think tank. We'll find out more before 7.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. This weekend. You will not see more commitment from sportsmen in their lives. Fierce rivals. The tackles come flying in. Huge hit there. That was a crunching tackle. Lovely neighbours. This is a cracking contest. Great, great atmosphere. What an incredible game of rugby. The Six Nations. Busting through the tackles. Can you believe it? Two tries in the second half. Kicking off on Saturday from 1.30 with Wales versus Ireland. And then from 4... England against Scotland, live across the BBC. And this morning we've been talking about uh, the impact of HS2 on house prices and we've been looking at the story of Elfrida Harpatar, whose four-bedroom property has been, basically, it, it, she's been told it's worthless because n- no mortgage lender is going to lend someone to, to buy that house. It's in Turwiston. Well, we can speak now to uh, Simeon Hyton, who's also from Turwiston, whose house backs onto the route of the HS2 rail route. Morning, Simeon. Morning, Ian. How far away is the proposed railway track from your property? It's approximately uh, 60, 70 yards. Gosh, that's close. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, the HS2 scheme uh, was first announced not long after you bought the property, is that right? That's right, yeah. We bought the property in 2009, mid-2009. Uh, obviously, we had the usual searches carried out, but because the government actually uh, set up a limited company to do uh, all the uh, initial uh, uh, work on HS2, uh, nothing came up on the land search, uh, as it would have done had it been done through the uh, Ministry of Transport. So we knew nothing of it till about... Uh, seven months after we actually moved in. So you're in there six and a half months into that house. Everyone loves that new house. Oh, do we put the sofa there? No, I think the TV looks better there. Let's go and decorate the spare room. And then you and your family get this news that a blooming great train track is probably going to be built just near your back garden. How did you react to that? 
Well, obviously, we were uh, devastated that, uh, you know, so soon after moving in, we bought the house purely because of its location. Uh, we moved from a much larger property uh, in a town uh, to uh, this house and paid more money for it, even though it's actually smaller, uh, purely because of its location, because we're surrounded by uh, fields. Uh, we, we overlook fields uh, to the front and to the side and, and, and to the rear. Uh, and uh, uh, when you got a small village, uh, which is what attracted us to, to the property in the first place and you literally just miss out on the compulsory purchase that's right yes well, well what you have is you've actually two zones you've got a compulsory purchase which literally is uh, where the line actually goes through and our neighbor is actually in that so their house will actually be demolished to make way right. uh, for it and then you've got something called the voluntary purchase zone but uh, the way that works is it takes i think it was 60 meters but because it's actually from taken from the center of the line we just miss mm. out if it was from the edge of the line uh, we would actually be uh, in that uh, voluntary purchase zone what are you going to do simeon well we, we really don't know at this uh, moment in time and we're just holding fire and hoping that uh, common sense prevails and that actually uh, the, the line doesn't go ahead because for us uh, where we are we've got no station so there's no benefit to us in any sense at all uh, for this line because it goes directly from uh, Birmingham uh, down to London so uh, it, it doesn't benefit us at all but the message of the government seems to be given at the moment is that we should take one for the team and yes. uh, accept it because it's for the good of the nation. Simeon we're all in this together haven't you heard that? We ha- I have heard that indeed and we're, we're NIMBYs and uh, whatever other labels they want to give us but uh, you know if I actually believe that there was a, a benefit to this to the, uh, the company and the economy then you know we'd obviously have to uh, take that view but uh, for me I can't see how uh, 36 billion pounds to build a line to shave 20 minutes off uh, the journey time uh, from Birmingham to London actually gives any real economic value. Simon finally you, you, I, I'm assuming you've heard the uh, story we've been talking about Mrs Harpertar's four-bedroom yes. property no one, she can't get a mortgage no one can get a mortgage to buy it so it's, it's virtually worthless how it does that is. make you feel yes well yeah well do worry you it, it is something that yeah, yeah, it does worry me because you know we we have looked uh, only recently about uh, remortgaging to so to release some capital to actually extend our property and we know that there's, there's no way even though we have got positive equity in the house there's no way actually any lender would uh, provide uh, a, a new mortgage uh, to enable us to do that so so we do feel and, and everyone in the village uh, feels that they're, they're now trapped into western as lovely a place as it is we have no opportunity to extend we've no opportunity to mm. move Simeon, can we um, keep in touch with you and follow this? Yeah, of course. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Simeon uh, Highton, a Turwiston resident, who's concerned about the HS2 route and how it's going to impact on his house price. The BBC in beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. New research suggests that low-income families in most parts of England will have to pay more council tax from April. The government is cutting the support it provides, with councils told to pass the cost on or make savings elsewhere. Well, Matthew Pennycook wrote this report for the uh, Resolution Foundation and joins me now. Morning, Matthew. Morning, Ian. I- explain why people on low incomes could be hit with big increases in council tax. Well, basically, as you've said, the government are reforming the national system that they, they use to provide support for people paying council tax. That's called council tax benefit. And what they've done from April is hand responsibility for providing that support to local authorities. But they've done so with a 10% cut in funding and national rules, which mean that the levels of support that pensioners receive can't be touched. Do you think that's the right way to do it? Is, it, is that fair or, or grossly unfair? 
I think that it's actually a particularly bad way of doing the reform. It's basically left local authorities um, with very little choice in most cases, but to pass on the cost, in a sense decentralising both the blame and the pain to local councils to do this. And what will happen and what our research has shown is that about 3 million working age families who claim this benefit, a large majority of those are going to face, in some cases, soaring council tax bills uh, on their mat in April. I think many of them don't have uh, much of an idea that it's coming mm. either. And that's, that's a big, serious reform. And I don't think it had to look exactly the way it does. Well, surely one of the results of this is going to be people defaulting their payments. Well, they can't afford it, they can't pay it. Indeed, and many councils that have had to uh, create these local schemes that pass on some of that cut have put lots of money aside because they expect lo- uh, high non-payment rates and they're looking at um, increased use of bailiff powers and the, c- the courts. It's really not a good situation. And, uh, local authorities in many cases have done this with a heavy art. There's not much they can do at a time of severe budget pressure to absorb that funding cut and provide the support that exists at the moment. Why is the government doing this, just to save money? The government is, uh, yeah, it's doing it as part of its deficit reduction plan. It's going to save only just over £400 million, which, it, which wow. when you look at the risk uh, facing local authorities, when you look at the pain this is going to cause some of the very poorest households in the country, I think there's better ways that they could have raised what is, in a sense, in the overall scheme of the government's budget, quite a meagre amount. You say that some of the councils are reluctant to do this. Are they really? Surely if, if there's the, you know, a chance of them getting more cash, they'd be rubbing their hands in glee, wouldn't they? I, d- I genuinely don't think they do, partly because of the problems they already have in collecting council tax off very low-income families. It's going to cause councils a massive headache trying to collect this money. Um, and, it's, and it's households which we know face stagnant wages, rising living costs and ongoing cuts to tax credits and other support. They're precisely the, the, the type of households, the type of families who can least afford to pay this bill. And they're going to get on their mat in April a bill of what, in some cases, some single working parent families, an increase in their bill of over 300%. And that is going to hit their family budgets in, um, enormously hard. Matthew Pennycook from the uh, uh, Resolution Foundation. Thank you very much indeed. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. David in Hitchin has uh, emailed in about the, uh, the council tax benefits being cut. I know this may be a bit controversial, but for too many years, too many people have been dependent on benefits, which has contributed to our government debt and the position we are in. If we paid a decent wage for a day's work and were less dependent on imports, the economy and jobs market would improve and we would not require benefits. Well, it, yes, it's very nice, Dave. It doesn't work like that, though, does it? You, we all go and buy the cheapest thing we can and get the cheapest labour we can. And that normally means going abroad. My TV's foreign. Uh, my sofa's foreign. My bed uh, is foreign, I think. Uh, all of my electrical gadgets are foreign, pretty much. Because it's cheaper. My car's foreign. The lads that came and did the work on my house were foreign. It's cheaper. We all go for the cheaper thing, don't we? Uh, I'm going to a football match, my first ever football match. Um, and uh, Luton versus Millwall, a week on Saturday. Come on, you oranges! Yay, goal! He scored the match, scored a goal! Yay! Cheer! Football! Soccer! Wonderful, wonderful excitement. Really looking forward to it. Ben in Buckingham has... Uh, 16th of Feb, yes. Ben in Buckingham has uh, said, You won't need to take much to watch Luton. Just buy a scarf in the club shop to fit in. Oh, and I don't really want to start... I don't want football memorabilia. I don't want to have bits and pieces like that. No. No, thank you. I'm not sure. What do I need to take with me? You're all being... 
Come on, you atters! There we go, there's a football phrase. You're all being... We're getting some very rude texts about Luton Town Football Club. <laughs> what I can expect there. I'm not taking a bulletproof vest or a stab vest. It'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm in the press box. The Daily Mail. Look at the front page, shall we? The Daily Mail. 20 years on, uh, the mistress who once rocked the party. So this is a picture of, um, uh, what was her name? DeSantia. I can't remember her first name. Uh, Antonia DeSantia. So basically they're taking a picture of a woman who's 51 having a fag who looks a bit rough. Nice one, Daily Mail. Well done. That happened 20 years ago. Good work, you. Uh, and landmark ruling will mean payouts for hold-ups over three hours. Flight delays, now you can sue. Families who have their holidays ruined by long flight delays will at last be able to, com- to claim compensation. A landmark ruling has opened the floodgates for hundreds of thousands of claims and could cost airlines millions. It demonstrated that Britons have the right to compensation of up to £480 plus expenses for hold-ups longer than three hours. Hey, yeah, guess what's going to happen? They'll put the prices up. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's going to cost us more money money in the long term. Thanks a lot for that, guys. The Daily Express. Heartbroken pet owner remortgages, remortgages home to search for stolen dog. Turn to page five. I'm going to page five. I'm in. I remortgaged to find my angel. The owner of a stolen champion dog has remortgaged her house to raise a £10,000 reward for the pet's return. I'll grow up. Dawn Moore's beloved angel was dognapped from a car park last month. Or it went wandering, we don't know. The four-year-old German short-haired pointer was taken by the dr- oh no, it was taken by the driver of a white transit van while she was getting her three other dogs out of her car. Initially, I was offering three thousand pounds, says Dawn, forty-two, which was ra- raised by the sheer generosity of my Facebook friends. I had a few calls from people claiming to know where Angel was, but nothing came from them. I decided to increase the fee because I'm desperate to get my dog back, and I thought the quickest way to do this was remortgage my house. Yeah, grow up, jog on. Listen, you, it's sad, and it's tragic, and it's terrible. But just put some posters up. If that doesn't work, buy a new dog. You can't remortgage... No, you can't remortgage your house. How are you- So you could potentially lose your house because you've lost... She's also forked out £500 for the services of a pet detective agency and paid a further £3,000 to distribute 15,000 posters and 35,000 business cards across the UK. Oh, dearie, dearie me. I mean, seriously, come on. Um, and the son... Uh, the pop star who cheated on another pop star with an Australian waitress has hurt his fingers. Um, and Jeremy Kyle says he'll be... Kyle, I'll be back. Cancer hit Jeremy vows TV return next week. So don't worry. If you've missed people with bad tattoos and not many teeth shouting at each other over who's stolen grandma's savings, it will be back soon. Thank goodness for that. Sing hosannas. Travel news now. Alan Cowie. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Some road closures in the centre of uh, Luton, Russell Street and St Saviour's Crescent both closed for ongoing police investigation works. But uh, those roads are fairly small, so they shouldn't cause any delays for traffic. But just bear in mind those closures rem- will remain in place for most of the day. Uh, the M1 southbound is slow from Junction 12 at Flittick towards 10 at uh, Luton Airport. The A1 at uh, Roxton, that's looking slow southbound approaching the Black Cat roundabout. And M25, just looking on the cameras uh, right now, it's uh, slow in patches from Junction uh, 26 Waltham 
Abbey, around 24 Potters Bar, mainly on the anti-clockwise side. Delays of about sort of 20 odd minutes. We've got uh, no major issues on the trains. Minor delays into uh, Kings Cross uh, for all services on the East Coast mainline. Delays of up to 20 minutes because of problems with the overhead wires between St Neots and Biggleswade. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alan. Let's get the news and sport now with Catherine. Getting beds, hearts, and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. A Buckinghamshire pensioner forced to sell her home to pay for care home bills has been told its proximity to the planned high-speed rail route has rendered it worthless. Police are appealing for witnesses after a gun was fired in Luton yesterday, leaving a woman with shrapnel wounds. And three quarters of local authorities in England are expected to ask their lowest income households to pay more council tax from April. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester United have extended their lead at the top of the Premier League table to seven points after beating Southampton 2-1 last night. Two goals in three minutes. Meanwhile, from Adam Lafondre saw Reading come from 2-0 down to draw two all at home to Chelsea, while Arsenal came from two down at home to Liverpool to claim a point. Elsewhere in the Premier League, Tottenham drew one all at Norwich. Fulham with 3-1 winners over West Ham at Craven Cottage and Everton beat West Brom 2-1. Luton are in line for 230 thousand pounds after their FA Cup fifth round tie at home to Millwall was selected for live TV. The Hatters have published ticket arrangements online for the game which will kick off at 12.45 on Saturday February the 16th and that will be shown on satellite channel ESPN. Uh, MK Dons meanwhile at home to Barnsley will not be going out live. Kickoffs at 3pm on Saturday the 16th. In Formula One, Red Bull team principal Christian Horner's had his contract extended by the Milton Keynes-based team after being linked with a move to Ferrari. The Tilbrook outfit will chase a fourth successive title in 2013, as Simon Oxley reports. 39-year-old Horner has agreed a multi-year extension, having been at the helm since Red Bull entered the sport in 2005 after taking over the Jaguar team. Red Bull and Sebastian Vettel have won the constructors' and drivers' titles for the past three years, and the Milton Keynes team are due to unveil their 2013 car at the factory on Sunday before testing starts in Spain on Tuesday. Finally, rugby and England will confirm their starting 15 today for Saturday's Six Nations opener at home to Scotland. Former Bedford player Billy Twelvetrees is expected to make his debut with Saracens Owen Farrell at fly half and Alex Good at fullback after overcoming a shoulder injury. And that's the latest news and sport. More from me at 8 o'clock. Hey, hey, hey. That's a nickname, surely. Billy Twelvetrees? He sounds like a, an American Indian. It's like Jimmy Five Bellies, <laughs> who's definitely not an American Indian, or as we like to call them Native Americans these days. Uh, now, listen, come on, you atters. I've got yeah, that. I've yeah. got that. I'm going to be at Luton Millwall, February. Come on, you atoms! There's, there's another vital noise you're going to have to make. Oh, go on. Oh, and oh, and sorry. This is what that's the noise they make. This is what Catherine Bull sounds like first thing in the morning before we force <laughs> loads of coffee down her throat. Give it to me one more time. I'll stand back a bit because you have to. Yeah. You have to project. This is embarrassing, isn't it? Oh, and oh, and yeah. Thanks very much. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. Yes. BBC Three Counties Radio. If Kelly Betts, who works in the production team, is listening, could you just clip that bit of Catherine just making that noise? Not me, just that bit of that noise and put it in my um, running order, please, because that's going to get played to death. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to get played pretty much, I don't know, what, 5, 10, 15, 20 times an hour. Who knows? Who knows? Listen, if you go to these football matches that I've heard so much about, uh, I I need to know some chance. I want to fit in. I don't want people to know this is my first football match, because those people, they can smell fear, can't they? They can smell fear. So I need to know some football chants. I need to kind of know what to take with me. Will I look out of place with a hula hoop and a penguin? 
08459 455 555. Also coming up in the next 30 minutes, have you or your partner found it difficult to get a good quality, stylish wig? I mean, like a nice one. Like Brucey's. Because we'll be looking into why the NHS is now looking to provide cheaper hair pieces. And we're celebrating all things Polish today. Polish has become the most common, apart from their sausages, they look flipping horrible. They do, don't they? They do. Oh, goodness. Polish has become the most commonly spoken non-native language in England and Wales. I know it's a long shot, okay? I know, I know, I, I don't know, I'm guessing we don't have a huge um, Polish listenership. I've never been particularly big with the polls. I don't know why. If there is anybody listening to this who speaks Polish, who has a Polish grandma, who lives two doors down from a Polish fella, could you get them to give me a call? Yeah, it sounds a little bit desperate, but maybe I am. 08459 555 555. If 1% of the British population speak Polish... It's the second most spoken language in the UK after English. Yeah, keeping it real. Uh, Then I need to learn some of these phrases. I can't be left out on my own in the cold. Who knows? So, Polish phrases. I need some clean ones, please. 08459 455 555. Now, people who need wigs on the NHS are finding they're being provided with cheaper hair pieces because of budget cuts. That's according to the chairman of the wig suppliers. George Toiver says many people who suffer from alopecia or are going through chemotherapy are forced to pay extra money towards the cost of their wig because many hospitals are not contributing enough. I'll speak to him in just a few minutes. But first of all, our reporter Victoria Cook went to Julia's wig shop in Luton, where sales of wigs have seen a 113% increase year on year. She spoke to Mohammed Noor about why. We go to shop across the road. So we used to have really small room there with less number of wigs. People used to come and they used to ask us to have more variety, more variety. So when this shop was empty, so we got a chance and we just hired this place and we opened a big shop with more wigs. But is there a demand in Luton for wigs then? Yes, people ask for it. Like um, some people, they got like um, alopecia. They just lose their hair, they don't have hair. So they come, they buy from us. Or some people, they got like, uh, they do therapy, chemotherapy. So their hair is falling. They like to go for a wig. So like, have you seen an increase in people coming in with things like alopecia and people that are going through chemotherapy and people that want wigs? Is there an increase in that? Well, uh, yes, certainly. It, it, it's becoming more, more and more popular. But once we open this shop, we got a big display. So people from different areas come from Milton Keynes, Stevenage, okay, Dunstable, so they come as well. I imagine for people that are losing their hair, this must be a lifeline for them. Yeah, certainly it is lifeline for them because, well, normally they put hats on, but with the hairstyle they can do and and they wear wigs and they go out, no one knows that that's how we go. It must be quite an emotional thing for someone who perhaps is losing their hair. They come in here and see one of your wigs and you transform them. Yeah, sometimes, you know, when people come... They see and they said, oh, we're going to tell more of our friends as well. Because some of them um, who are working in hospitals and they deal with people suffering from therapies or alopecia. So they tell most of their friends and they come as well. So it's become more and more popular. And how important do you think it is for people who perhaps are suffering from cancer or alopecia to come in and get a wig? How important do you think it is for them? To be honest, now nowadays everyone wants to look pretty. So to have nice hairstyle adds charm to their beauty. I think if they got, uh, they put on wigs, they don't feel shy. They just go for it. Well, George Toiver joins me now. Morning, George. Good morning. Jo- your members have noticed that demand from the NHS has changed. In what way? 
very much changed. Uh, previously, uh, a patient could uh, receive an order form from a hospital and then go and choose more or less any ready-to-wear wig, whatever quality it, it was, whatever price it was. They didn't, in fact, know the price. I mean, this wasn't discussed with the patient. Mm. But now the hospitals, many hospitals, not the all, but many hospitals are imposing either a separate contract at a lower price with a local wig maker or local wig supplier or are ignoring the national contract and imposing a limit on the price that they're prepared to pay for a wig. Now, some of the limits, one limit I heard recently was £60. There are other hospitals that I know are imposing a limit of, say, £90. Now, that has, that has to embrace a large um, band spread of types of wigs, and it's just not enough to give the patient what, they, what many patients don't, um, or what many patients require. They, they, um, previously, the, the choice was almost unlimited, and now they're cutting it down very much. The, one of the problems, too, is that it's a postcode lottery. In some places, it's uh, a low price. In others, it's uh, £90, for instance, whereas the contract prices before were uh, covered, pricey, covered wigs, which were more... George, if I want to get a good quality wig... How much is that going to cost me? Because to, to me, well, I know that one of the local hospitals here in the three counties gives £63.35 to a wig. Yes. To me, that sounds quite decent. W- w- would that get me a good wig? Well, um, if you're a woman, uh, if you're a man, the answer is no. If you're a woman, not really. Oh, so... so really. The, prices, no. the contract prices to the National Health were always above that. Right. That covered, that covered the uh, professional, professional advice, uh, consultation... Uh, including the wig. It's not just a question of going into a wig shop and taking something off a, off a no. head. And stuck so, OK, if I'm, I'm, let's start from scratch. I'm completely bald and I want to go and, and get a good quality wig. What, what's it going to cost me in terms of, of uh, consultations and uh, getting the wig itself? If you were buying a wig privately like yeah. that, and you're talking about a man, yes. um, anything between £450 and um, £1,000 or £2,000. Excuse me? That's way above above what the National Health was ever willing to pay anyway. Yeah. Those prices were never covered. There's two complete different ranges. One is whatever you want uh, privately, like for yourself. Yeah. You can pay pay the earth uh, for a very, very high-quality wig. But the National Health always were very economical on their prices. Yeah. So the wig makers were producing wigs at a very reasonable price. Yeah. And now we're being cut down again by the hospitals. And again, of course, it's, different. it's varying and varying in different areas of, of England. There are some people, George, who might say, let me play devil's advocate for a second, who might say, oh, come on, listen, we're having to make cuts everywhere. We haven't got enough nurses or doctors. Why should we be spending money on wigs? Well, a, a wig, uh, as the proprietor of the shop you were talking to uh, said just now, it's a very important psychological uh, prop. Uh, you, cannot, you cannot feel uh, comfortable if you have no hair. Uh, cancer patients who are, uh, some cancer patients who are receiving treatment lose all their hair. Alopecia patients uh, have a hair loss sometimes from the age of three or four as, as children, right up to, um, you know, 70 or 80. Mm. They, a woman can't look right uh, without hair. Men can often get away with it. They've got a decent shape of head. Well, I think, I, I, George, it's, in fairness, I, I, I do think some, I, I think women can look right without hair. I remember there was a, a young lady who was a university at who had no hair and she looked absolutely stunning. I think, I think they can. 
Yes, did she look, did she feel stunning? I, I don't know whether she did or not. I think she did. She seemed very happy with it. But I, 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 just, I do think it's a little unfair to say that women don't look right without hair. I, th- I think that they, they can. I'm very much accustomed to seeing women without hair. I've been doing it for over 60 years. Yeah. But uh, by and large, if you, ask the, if you ask our customers, they wouldn't go without hair. I'm sure, I'm sure. They don't, you don't go along the high street and see women walking around without hair. Uh, hair is an absolute necessity. You look smart, you look confident, uh, you should look your own age. George, Uh, why did you get into wigs? You've been doing this for 60 years. It's a a family business. Right. Do you wear one? Uh, No, 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 but then I'm past that sort of age. uh, No, I think I look very good without hair. I'm sure you look wonderful. But men are different. Men are different. It's a different outlook. It is different, isn't it? And health does not really uh, cater for men. It's a strange thing. It's a sex thing. They they do not look favourably on supplying wigs for men who have no hair, unless it's a medical condition. Mm. I mean, they've had treatment, or it's alopecia totalis, where they have no eyebrows and, and no face hair and so forth, and they're suffering from it psychologically. But men don't generally bother too much because the average man, uh, or many uh, many men, lose their hair in the middle years anyway. So you don't look so unusual without hair as a man. George, listen, we have to end it there. Thank you very much, George Toiva from the uh, Wig Chairman. Not from, he's the chairman of the Wig Suppliers Group. Thank you very much. Do you wear a wig? Uh, and it is socially different, isn't it, for men and women? You see, you see a bull guy, oh, bull guy. You see a bull woman and kind of you go, ooh. Hey, uh, but I, I, I think it's a little unfair to say that, that women don't look right without hair. I, I uh, have worked several times with Gail Porter, of course, uh, has alopecia. Uh, she looks great without hair and she doesn't want a wig. She was offered um, a hair transplant by the same people that did uh, Wayne Rooney's. And she's like, oh, do you, why, why would I want that? I'm quite happy the way I am. Thanks very much. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Do you wear a wig? Do you, do, or have you tried it and thought, you know what, this isn't for me, actually. I'll get away with a hat or a scarf or I'm proud to be bald. Men and women. 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, there's some road closures in uh, Luton, Russell Street and St Saviour's Crescent closed for police investigation works and likely to be closed for most of the day. The M1 southbound has delays of about half an hour between Junction 13, that's the Bedford turn, down to Junction uh, 10 at uh, Luton, but no reports of any accidents or problems, just heavy going there. Anti-clockwise delays on the M25 from uh, Junction uh, 19 Watford round to Junction 15, which is the M4 delays over 40 minutes along that section, but uh, no other issues uh, reported. As you'd expect, it's busy at the Black Cat roundabout in Roxton, the A1 southbound, looking a bit slow, but uh, no other uh, major issues and on the trains, just minor delays of up to 20 minutes on the East Coast Main Line to and from London, King's Cross because of overhead wire problems between Biggleswade and St Neots. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alan. 7.45, Thursday the 31st of January. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Buckinghamshire pensioner forced to sell her house to pay care home bills has been told its proximity to the planned HS2 route has rendered it worthless. Police have sealed off Russell Street in Luton while they investigate an incident in which a gun was fired yesterday. In sport, Luton Town are in line for £230,000 after their FA Cup fifth round tie at home to Millwall was selected for live television. 
Coming up, a committee of MPs have been looking into the reasons for the collapse of the West Coast Mainline Rail franchise competition. Before eight, we'll speak to Louise Elman, MP, the chair of the committee. But before that, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. A very good morning to you. We've seen that main band of rain push off to the east now. It's currently over parts of Essex, so actually for the three counties, it will be um, there will be some dry spells of weather, in fact, uh, but uh, not completely dry because we're expecting to see one or two blustery showers for the rest of the morning. Now, luckily, these showers will blow along quite quickly in that very, um, very strong westerly breeze, so um, they won't last too long, but they could be on the heavy side, some of them at times. So do watch out for a bit more wet weather through the morning. But certainly lots of dry spells out there as well. In fact, the afternoon is looking mostly dry. Still very breezy, very strong westerly, some spells of sunshine and it's feeling mild for January as well. At highs of 9 or 10 degrees Celsius later on in Welling Garden City, in Stevenage and Leighton Buzzard and in Chesham as well. That's 50 in Fahrenheit. Now for this evening and overnight, temperatures will fall to around 5 or 6 degrees Celsius, so reasonably mild once more. It'll stay dry for the first half of the night and then through the early hours, more rain coming in from the south. Southwest. This is going to give us some pretty heavy puddles, I think, into tomorrow. Quite a lot of rain within a fairly short space of time. And there is a Met Office warning out for this rain as well. Likely to be heaviest, I think, for southern areas of uh, the three counties into tomorrow morning. That will eventually clear away, but there'll be longer spells of rain, I'm afraid, tomorrow through the afternoon. And a very cold northerly breeze developing too that's going to bring us more rain down from the north. So I think by the time we get into Friday night, Saturday, we could even see a bit of sleep possibly a bit of snow at times over the Chilterns into Saturday morning and there'll be further wintry showers here for the rest of the weekend elsewhere I think mostly dry but feeling rather nippy on Saturday that's the forecast thank you very much Tackling your consumer problems on BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't worry about that loan now. The whole amount has just been taken off. You don't owe a penny. Gosh, I can't believe this. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. This has been six years of hell. Fighting for your rights. You've done more in two weeks than I've done in six years. I can't thank you enough. You've fought it and you've won it. Well, you won it for me. Thank you so much, Jonathan. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. Call the team now. 08459. Four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey, guess what? Polish has become the most commonly spoken non-native language in England and Wales. That's according to the latest census. More than half a million people now speak Polish as their first language, placing it ahead of more established languages such as Punjabi and Urdu, and behind only official languages English and Welsh. I reckon, no, that guy can't believe that's right. More, uh, uh, our Polish correspondent, Justin Dilly, has spent the morning in Luton. Morning, Justin. Ian, it's been a bit of a nightmare, I have to say. Because, Why is this? Uh, because most of the Polish supermarkets and delis, they're, hey. they're not open till nine. I sent you out this morning yes. to find me some Polish people. Are you saying you <laughs> failed in that task? I haven't failed. I'm just saying it's been tough, because you're then left with that rather awkward situation. Uh, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, madam. Are you Polish? <laughs> do, do what, mate? Am I, am I Pole? What, am I what? what? What are you saying? What are you saying? So, anyway, it, it's been tough. It has been <laughs> tough this morning but we have found a couple of poles in Luton Wonderful. and we tried to learn the language Ian this is what happened um, Yvonne how long have you been in the UK for? Uh, I've been here for about three years now and tell us the best thing in your opinion about the UK a sense of humour 
Oh, I would say that it's a sense of humour. I love it. <laughs> we have a very strange sense of humour, but uh, a fantastic sense of humour. So uh, we're looking for you to teach us maybe a, a couple of new words, a couple of new phrases in Polish. Would you mind doing that for us? No problem at all. What do you want to know? Okay, I would like a bacon sandwich. Poproszę kanapkę z baconem. That is the meaning of that. <laughs> Luton are going to beat Millwall in the FA Cup. That's never gonna happen. I'm so sorry. What, Luton beating Millwall, or are you saying it in Polish? Well, I think that it's never gonna happen, but I'm being probably just pessimistic about it. Maybe some, some, something else, something simple. Here's another one Ian Lee is my hero. <laughs> Ian Lee is my bohaterem. Is my bohaterem. And uh, just lastly, what's hello and goodbye in Polish? Okay, so hello, it's cześć. Cześć. Very good. <laughs> and goodbye is do widzenia, but that's the official way of saying it. Do widzenia. Yeah, very good. You see, yeah, uh, I could be Polish, couldn't I? <laughs> I'm that good. Yeah, you are pretty good, I have to say. <laughs> okay, Aneta, you've been in the UK now for about seven years. Tell us what you do in the UK. A receptionist. And are you enjoying it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> You're laughing as you say that. Uh, we, we want a few phrases, a few words in Polish. What does breakfast mean in Polish? Śniadanie. And what does hello, how's your day going mean in Polish? Uh, something like um, cześć, uh, jak ci mija dzień. Do you think us Brits could do with a, a bit of sharpening up, let's say, on our Polish? Because we're not the best at speaking Polish, are we? I don't think you're in general not the best at speaking foreign languages. <laughs> <laughs> Brutally honest, but very, very true. Okay, just lastly, what's the hardest word for you in English? We've spoken about Polish, but when it comes to English, what's the, the hardest word for you to accept and grasp in English? I, ha- I think genre, I hate that word, because <laughs> it's spelled differently and you have lots of French words as well, so that annoys me. Yeah, but that, 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 listen, you, mm. young lady, genre is a French word, don't blame us for that being a ridiculous <laughs> yeah. So Justin, you spent, wonderful report, thank you for thank that, you. excellent stuff. You spent the morning there with, with uh, two young Polish ladies, they were teaching you the language, so... Away you go. Yeah, Chester, Chester, Chester. I mean, when I said Ian Lee is my hero, I, I quickly forgot about that. I was making it up anyway. Uh, but uh, we have been tipped off, Ian, that at 8.15 this morning, we've yes. been tipped off that oh. uh, apparently a Polish flight crew will be arriving in a certain Luton hotel. Oh. I'm going to be there from 8 o'clock. I'm going to get my seat nice and early. I'm going to be greeting the Poles, and then we're going to be speaking their language. I do know a few dirty words as well now. We all Polish, do. We but, all uh, know we'll the dirty words. We'll keep those off there for the time being. I yeah? like the way you said... Oh, I'm really. You said one Polish word. Oh, I'm really good at Polish. I could be Polish. That's not how it works, Justin. She said to me, "You are exceptionally good." Her words, not mine. Yeah, it may have got lost in the translation ever so slightly. Justin Dealey, excellent. Oh, Justin, before you go, yes. Uh, listen, with this football match, I've been learning a few of the chants and things I need to shout at the Millwall versus Luton. Yeah, I'm concerned. Does this mean anything to you? Have a listen. No, means absolutely nothing. Sorry. Thanks very much indeed. Well, there we go. Just uh, good to clear that up. Uh, I love that clip. That's going to be my new ringtone. Catherine Boyle falling down the stairs after drinking too much gin. Now, ir- irresponsible decisions compounded by civil service failures led to the collapse of the West Coast Mainline Rail Franchise Competition, according to a committee of MPs. The Transport Committee says embarking on an ambitious, perhaps unachievable reform of rail franchising in haste on the UK's most complex piece of railway was irresponsible.
Virgin Trains, as we know, will continue to run the service, which runs through Milton Keynes and Watford for the time being. We can talk now to Louise Elman, MP. She was chair of the committee. Morning, Louise. Good morning. Why were there so many bad decisions? There were major errors made by individual civil servants, but it, this was also to do with the way the Department for Transport was organised in relation to dealing with this franchise. This was a very complicated franchise to run for 15 years, and that meant that special expertise was required to assess the risk to the taxpayer of letting out a franchise for that period of time. Yet that expertise wasn't there. No single person was in charge of the whole project, so that when mistakes were discovered by more junior people, that wasn't passed up to anyone senior so that it could be acted on. So it was mistakes by individuals, major errors, but also the way the department was organised and the expertise just wasn't there to deal with something that was new and complicated. Did this only come out because Branson kicked up a stink? Because I remember when he started moaning about it, I was like, oh, grow up, man, it's capitalism, you lost. If, if he hadn't have made that fuss, would this have just gone on unnoticed? Well, this only emerged um, after Richard Branson launched his, uh, his claim to the court. He applied for a judicial review. And it was when the Department of the Transport was preparing its case in defence that these mistakes came out. Before that, the department had simply said that they were absolutely sure that they were right and they would defend their position robustly. But when they then got down to the detail of preparing their case for the court the magnitude of the errors came out and, in fact, they didn't contest the court case. So we have, to, we have Richard Branson to thank for this being made public, don't we? Well, that's one way of looking at it and certainly until that challenge to the courts came, the department was saying that they were absolutely sure that they'd done it correctly. How much has this all cost, the, the, the taxpayer? Up to now, it appears to be around £50 million, and that charge could actually go up. So it is a lot of money and the, the price of failure. What lessons can be learned from this so that we don't repeat this? The department has to learn lessons, and indeed the uh, Secretary of State has already said that he is changing the way the department is organised in respect to rail franchising, and they're also looking at the way franchising is done for the future. But I think ministers too have to realise that if they have a change of policy, they have to make sure they've got the resources to carry it out. So there are lessons for everyone here. Is there any way I can get my £50 million back? Or is that gone now? Well, it's, it's gone now. A lot of that was in fees to compensate bidders who, in the end, were just ruled out of the competition and other costs that were incurred as well. So that cost has gone, but everybody does have to make sure there is no repetition of anything like this. Louise, thank you very much. It's a story we follow very closely on here for obvious reasons. Uh, Louise Elman, uh, chair of the committee, which has looked into what happened. Uh, it's interesting because I remember I was one of those people I said it on this radio show I think when Branson came out after he lost the franchise whining and crying like a big girl I said oh Branson come on it's capitalism it's the system that you embrace and support grow up I eat those words I apologise I'm eating humble pie now mmm it tastes bitter but I'm eating it he was completely right if it hadn't been for him kicking up that stink then we wouldn't have known any of this wouldn't have cost us £50 million pounds and counting, so there's something to be said about it. But it, it wouldn't have... Uh, talking about trains, sorry, I'm just going off. I'm looking at this picture of Prince Charles on the uh, London Underground. How jolly. Charles's first tube ride for 27 years in the Express. So he's not been on the tube for 27 years. He's gone on the Metropolitan Line with Camilla. 
you think, oh, this is great. Then you find out he got dropped off at the tube station uh, from Farringdon in his chauffeur-driven limousine. Ah, uh, oh well, OK. Um, and then it turns out... Um, uh, where, where is this? Hang on a second. Anyway, it turns out that all of the, uh, the real people, you and me were pushed further up the carriage, further up the line, so they weren't even in the same carriage as him. The train arrived empty, with the royal pair joining the front section and ordinary passengers being shepherded further down the carriages. So he's not even allowed to meet the real people. And I'll be honest, I like Prince Charles. I do. I know I shouldn't. But I do like Prince Charles and some of the royal family. But he sat there grinning like a plum. Oh, isn't this nice? I want a train. For goodness sakes, we do this every day. You, you, get him on the rush hour. I tell you what, get him to change from uh, the Piccadilly line at King's Cross to the Northern line at nine o'clock on a Wednesday morning. Let's see if he's so, grinning so much then, shall we? Travel news now, Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we've got some road closures in Luton, uh, Russell Street and St Saviour's Crescent closed and likely to be shut for uh, most of the day for ongoing police investigation works. So more coming up uh, in the news. The uh, M1 southbound, we've got to delays between Junction 13, that's the Bedford turn down towards Junction 10, Luton Airport delays over half an hour, but no reports of any accidents or uh, or hold-ups in that section of the uh, M1. Anti-clockwise, uh, M25 delays from Junction 19, Watford round to 15, which is the M4. Again, busy, but uh, no accidents or breakdowns in your way. We've got 20-minute delays on the trains in and out of London King's Cross because of problems with the overhead wires between St Neots and Biggleswade. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Coming up in the next hour, more on this story about a mortgage company that says a Buckinghamshire woman's home is worthless because it's too close to the proposed HS2 route. What stopped you getting a mortgage in the past? Give me a call and we'll speak after the news with Catherine. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8 o'clock. The headlines, HS2 reduces house value to zero, witness appeal after Luton shooting and higher tax bills for lower earners. BBC Three Counties Radio. A Buckinghamshire pensioner forced to sell her home to care, pay for care home bills has been told HS2 has rendered it worthless. Elfrida Harper-Tarr found a buyer for her house in Turweston, but they pulled out when the mortgage lender valued it at zero because of its proximity to the planned route. Steve Baker is an independent financial advisor from Buckinghamshire. From a lender's perspective, what he's thought is, worst case scenario, what if the new borrowers default on the mortgage and it has to be repossessed? At that point in time, it's not an asset to the lender, it's a liability, it's on their books, they want rid of it. So it goes into what's called a forced sale, which may mean going to auction. And what he's saying is the resale value of that property, in his opinion, is very, very poor. Police have sealed off Russell Street in Luton while investigations continue into an incident in which a gun was fired yesterday. A woman was left with shrapnel wounds after she and her partner were involved in an argument with two men at around 2pm. Police were appealing for witnesses. Most councils in England are to ask low-income households currently exempt from council tax to pay something to their local authorities. The Resolution Foundation think tank has come up with the estimate. The change will take effect when the government cuts its subsidy to councils. Poorer families say it will add to the pressure on them. Here's Mike Sargent. 
Council tax benefit is given to low-income households to help pay their annual bill. From April, the government is cutting support by 10%, but councils have to decide by today whether to pass that on to residents. Some authorities are finding savings elsewhere or other ways to raise money. That's enabling them to maintain existing support for those on benefits or low pay. The local government minister, Brandon Lewis, said welfare reform was vital to tackle the deficit and the changes would give local authorities the incentive to get people into work. A slip road on the A1M at Letchworth will remain closed for several months over safety fears. The highways agency say they need to work out why 20 vehicles have collided with the barriers before they can be replaced. Tony Fisher has more. The southbound exit towards Stevenage at Junction 9 was closed on the 20th of December following several accidents. The highways agency says it's working with the police and Hertfordshire County Council to decide a way forward. A permanent solution isn't expected until late spring or early summer. MPs have strongly criticised the government's plans to scrap GCSEs in core subjects. The Education Select Committee's concern the English baccalaureate system won't help less able pupils and subjects like music and art could be downgraded. In sport, Luton are in line for a £230,000 windfall as their FA Cup fifth-round tie at home to Millwall has been selected for live TV. The Hatters have posted ticket-selling arrangements on their website for the game, which will kick off at 12.45pm on February the 16th. Oh, 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 oh. On February the 16th, and people will be making that noise. Um, it will be shown on satellite channel ESPN where you can hear that noise. Um, <laughs> I wish I hadn't done that. You're right, Catherine. The weather, wet and blustery yeah. this morning, dry or later with a top temperature of 10 degrees Celsius. That's 50 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for noises. The one thing I've learnt uh, in radio is if you don't want things to be played on a loop over and over again, don't say them near a microphone. That's that's it. Because some idiot, me, is going to record it and play it. Oh, that's a shame, isn't it? But that's that's her promising career over. <laughs> Just because of that. <laughs> Never mind. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Suddenly, it's four minutes past eight. I have no idea how we got here. I was just struggling to get up a while ago. Boy, it was a struggle to get up this morning. I'm glad I made the effort. It's not been a bad show this morning. Lots coming up in the last hour before JVS at nine o'clock, including a mortgage company says a Buckinghamshire woman's house is worthless simply because it's too close to the proposed HS2 route. What stopped you getting a mortgage in the past? Cheaper wigs are being provided on the NHS because of budget cuts. So many people are buying them from shops instead. Instead, we hear from a Milton Keynes man about his wife's experience at MK Hospital. And details of Luton Town's game against Millwall have been revealed. I'm going! I know, it's exciting! I'll be speaking to Managing Director Gary Sweet about how much money the club can expect to make. It's a few quid. Oh, it's a few quid. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text. Put your name on it, please, otherwise I won't read it. 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or you can give us a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, here's something. We all, we all love our homes. Maybe, maybe we don't. Some of us hate our homes. But um, we all like to think we know what they're worth. And, and maybe we think, you know, when the estate agent come, comes around and, and gives us the realistic figure a bit. Oh, oh, really? I thought it was a bit more. That's disappointing. Imagine if someone told you your house was worth naught pounds. Worthless. 
Well, sadly, that's the reality for a 97-year-old Buckswoman whose house is close to the HS2 high-speed rail route uh, route at Turwistham. A potential buyer of Elfrida Harpatar's four-bedroom property had to reconsider when a mortgage lender valued the building at £0 because it's near the proposed rail link. Our reporter Ewan Duncan spoke to her son Mike. He gave his reaction to the news. Horror. Horror. Because it doesn't make sense. Although I stress that what they are talking about is value in relation to normal lending purposes. And that is subtly different to the bricks and mortar value if someone's willing to come along with cash. And on the market, what's it worth normally? Well, we're asking 275 and immediately prior to this there were agents considered the possibility that it would go up up to as much as 300,000 and this was always a very desirable village and considered actually a premium village. It is a house that's at the centre of the issue but it's also affecting your mother and it must be causing a lot of stress. My mother is extremely concerned because she is quite incapable of moving around on her own she is incapacitated she is blind and worried stiff in a nutshell because she knows only too well that her savings are very close to being exhausted and when they are exhausted she needs to replace her funds with the proceeds of sale of this house which at the moment is proving extremely difficult frustrating indeed well george bridgefield is a partner with davies and partners estate agents which covers the turbiston area morning george good morning how common is this this is the first time that I've uh, come across this situation. Um, please respect the fact that I've only, uh, shall we say, picked up on this from the national press um, and the local broadcasters on the matter. I'm not actually involved in it. Yes. What would the impact be if, if, if word gets out, well, word is out, that a house is, is, is valued at naught pounds? That's going to be damaging for the rest of Turbiston, isn't it? It goes way beyond to Eston. It goes for the whole length of of the line that suddenly somebody should decide that something which is, I believe, sort of around about 460 metres away from the proposed line. This sits in this, almost the geographic centre of the village. Um, the implications of it and the ramifications to it are incredibly serious. If, if, if government or HS2 Limited have put aside... 1.3 billion for compensation and somebody can prove that their property is this seriously affected um, it, theoretically of course uh, on it then I think somebody needs to get the pencils out and do the maths again because clearly would not not be anywhere near enough money have you noticed in your your job recently um, prices uh, prices being lower on properties that are near um, HS2 or people coming in and you saying, I've got a great place, and when you show them where it is, they go, uh, do you know what, it's that train line, I'm not going to bother. Has it had an effect on your business? We, we would always have to tell somebody if, if there was uh, considered to be an adverse effect from the route of the rail or, or to demonstrate where the, where the rail line is intended to go. Um, so that would be a before the event rather than after mm. the event. Um, there are still people that have slightly clouded views as to values, but I think the whole thing comes down to the fact that either somebody is going to take... Uh, a risk um, and decide that they are prepared to purchase or consider a purchase of a property within a reasonable proximity of the, of, of the line, or they absolutely would not. Mm. I mean, 
personally, a £50,000 reduction would not persuade me mm. to, to buy in, in that potentially dangerous situation. And that's the thing, isn't it? I, I imagine that you'll, you'll get people coming in saying, well, yeah, the house is two hundred fifty grand, but I'm going to offer you one hundred ninety. Are you going to do you predict that you're going to get ridiculously low offers because people will say, "Look, you're not going to sell it, so I'm going to come in with a silly offer." If, if that were to happen, then we have a legal obligation to forward that offer to mm. to, to the vendor. That, that the decision we're not part of the decision no. process, um, and the vendor would then have to take a, a, a view on that. We, we may um, uh, well actually would give some form of recommendation, um, you know, of the. Of the matters that they really ought to take into consideration before they made an informed decision. George, is the HS2, does it, does it worry you? Are you concerned that this is going to be damaging for your business? Obviously, it's, it's having an effect already, and we're still some way off it. Is it a concern? <laughs> well, I was actually the mug that stood up on uh, local BBC radio about four years ago and said, I don't think it'll ever happen. Um, and I, I still don't think it should, but that's, you know, personal views. Uh, it does. It does. It does concern me for the impact because we are serious nimbys from the point of view we are going to suffer from the impact of the rail without any benefit. We'd have to drive sixty miles in either direction mm. to get a station to catch it, which doesn't seem very sensible. George, I appreciate your time. I also appreciate your honesty. George uh, Bridgefield, a partner with Davies and Partners, estate agent, which covers the Turriston area where this house uh, is based. Elfrida Harpatar's four-bedroom property. Worth about 275. Could have got close to 300. But then the mortgage lender said, uh, do you know what? No, I, I'm going to give you zero for this. Too much, uh, too much of a risk. 08459 455555 The BBC in beds, hearts and bugs This is BBC Three Counties Radio Talking wigs this morning The NHS is giving less money to uh, wards wigs People need them for after medical treatments alopecia, chemotherapy uh, and as part of the cutbacks they are the, the NHS are giving less money Well Sheila's in Luton Morning Sheila Good morning You're a hairdresser Do, do you get to work with wigs very often? I have worked a lot with wigs, and it's something I care very passionately about. Why does it... Yeah. I'm going to ask a silly question. What, what, what do you do with wigs? You don't cut them, do you? You can do, yes. Really? As a hairdresser, I, I do what I call personalising. You cannot just give somebody a wig. On the NHS, you can't just go into a shop and buy a wig, put it on, and hope it will stay there. If you're buying it for fun or fancy dress, that's a completely different situation. But you're talking this morning about people who are losing their hair through illness or alopecia. And that is a completely different kettle of fish. These people need empathy. They need looking after. They need understanding. Because for a woman to lose her hair, it is her confidence goes. In fact, in... in, in um, uh, cancer, it's it's more it's more to the uh, sorry, it's more to a woman. The fact she's going to lose her hair is almost more important to her initially than the actual illness itself. Because to lose your hair screams at the world, "Look, I'm ill. Just look at me." Because that's sadly the way it is. You have to understand there's far more to wearing a wig. First of all, it's, it's given to you. It needs to be fitted properly. That's something that hairdressers can help you with. You don't want to, you want to know that when you're wearing it, it won't slip or worse still, blow off or fall off. A hairdresser can do that for you. 
we can make it much more suitable for you can't there's subtle changes you can put a wig on it might just need a little bit taking out of the fringe the fringe might be a bit heavy that can make a huge amount of difference it may not sit correctly in the back of the neck a little bit of work on the back of the neck can change it considerably and give people such confidence i do a fitting service I tell people, also, they need to know how to look after them. Once you've been given this wig, what do you do with it? It's alien to you. Unless you've got somebody that understands where you're coming from and helps you and gives you aftercare service, you know how to look after it, you know which is the best type of wig for you. Very often, when people have to wear wigs in the first place, they want a wig that will look just like they did before they lost their hair. Sheila, can I, can I uh, interrupt for a second? Yes. You're, you're obviously very passionate about, about wigs. Can I, can I ask why? What, what, why is it so why? important to you? Because I'm, I've been a hairdresser for many, many years. I belong to a trade association that represents the, the self-employed people of which I'm one. It also, it's the Freelance Hair and Beauty Federation. It makes sure that all its hairdressers are fully qualified, experienced people that are out there and carry insurance, which is something people don't always think about. But even if you put that to one side, I used to work at, at the uh, Luton and Dunstable Hospital at one time, personalising the wigs. Um, when they were given to patients, but sadly cutbacks a long time ago took that service away from the hospital. And it was at that time, I, as I say, I care passionately. I can tell. I wear a wig myself from time to time for different reasons. Yeah. People say I look better with my wig on than when my wig is off, to be quite honest. And nine times out of ten, it fools people. They don't even know I'm wearing it. Sheila, listen, we, we have to end it there. I, I hope you feel you had a, a good run for your money. Sheila in Luton is a hairdresser. She cuts women's wigs regularly. And uh, I asked a question there I never thought I'd ask on the radio. Why are you so passionate about wigs? And she was. You can tell that she is. She feels very, very strongly about it. And, and it, it, it's very upset. I, if I'm honest, I didn't realise that there was so much care that does go into wigs. And you think about it, I guess, of course, there is. You, I, I naively assume you just plonk it on, bit of glue, that's it. But obviously there's a lot more to it. Sheila, I appreciate you coming on uh, and sharing your passion and giving us a different insight into the world of wigs. Thank you very much. Right, 8.15, Travel News Now. Here's Alan. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, the uh, M1 southbound looking slow from Junction 13. That's the Bedford turn down to Junction 11 at uh, Dunstable. Delays of about uh, 20, 25 minutes. I think the reason it's a little bit heavier this morning is because there was a, a broken down car on the hard shoulder between Dunstable and uh, Luton Airport, but uh, it's been moved now. Uh, the anti-clockwise M25, uh, that's slow from Junction 19, Watford round to Junction 15 at the M4. Delays over 40 minutes. And still some road closures in the centre of Luton. Russell Street and St Saviour's Crescent closed for ongoing police investigation works are uh, likely to be closed for most of the day. Now onto the trains. Uh, First Capital Connect have delays of up to uh, an hour and a half on the uh, Bedford to Brighton line. It's because the train's broken down at Hassocks. It's, it's mainly been causing delays coming from the south coast uh, across London and back up to uh, to Bedford. Uh, so there are some uh, cancellations uh, on looking at the arrivals board uh, into Bedford. Trains are departing Bedford on time uh, heading for Brighton but may be delayed by up to an hour and a half, especially uh, once you get closer towards London and uh, past London towards Brighton and 20 minute delays on the East Coast Main Line uh, to and from London King's Cross that was because of overhead wire problems between St Neitz and Biggleswade Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio Alan, thank you very much indeed 
Morning, it's 8.17. It's uh, Thursday, the 31st of January. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Buckinghamshire pensioner forced to sell her house to pay care home bills has been told HS2 has rendered it worthless. Police have sealed off Russell Street in Luton while investigations continue into an incident in which a gun was fired yesterday. In sport, England's rugby union team are to play Scotland on Saturday and will be named this morning at 10.15. Ex-Bedford player Billy Twelvetrees... Is it, that's his name. Is expected to. That's his real name. Is Billy Twelve Trees? Really? Well, this is what I'm told. It's like Jimmy Five Bellies or Jonathan Vernon Smith. It just sounds made up. <laughs> the weather today for beds, hearts, and bucks. Wet and blustery this morning. Drier later with a top temperature of ten degrees. Coming up before eight thirty, we'll talk about why Polish is now the second most spoken language in the country. Do you know any Polish? Nothing. Oh. BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Nick Coffer. This Friday, I'll be continuing my tour of beds, hearts and bucks and arriving in the Georgian market town of Amptill at the Albion pub. Nick Coffer. There'll be all the usual great music and I'm really looking forward to discovering what makes this town tick by talking to many of its most passionate residents. Plus, I may even try some Morris dancing. Nick Coffer, Monday to Saturday from 12 on BBC Three Counties Having a dance to the Nick Coffer music. Having a dance to the Nick Coffer music. Doing a dance to the Nick Coffer music. Listening in at 12. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Oh, it's exhausted you know, after that. that. Uh, very enthusiastic from yes. both of us there. Yeah, I was having a wiggle. I'm going to regret that later on. Jonathan Vernon-Smith, always, always a delight to see you. Thanks. You don't know any Polish phrases? I don't know any Polish I'm, phrases. My, my brother's girlfriend is Polish. Oh, fantastic. So I really should know something. I yeah. don't know anything. I'm going to play you a Polish phrase. See if you, you can understand what this is. Okay. I don't think that is Polish. No, sorry, that's the wrong button. This is, this is a Polish phrase. Here we go. Hang on a second. Let's have this one. Irli jest moim bohaterem. Yeah, it's my bottom terem. Ist. That's like German, isn't it? A little bit, yes. Ist. Yes. Das ist deine Lampe. Yes. Okay. Excellent. So, what's on your... <laughs> I was going nowhere. What's on your show? <laughs> ich wohne in Harpenden. Weiß das Harpenden? Harpenden liegt in Südostengland, in ja. der Nähe von der historischen Stadt St. Albans. Ich wohne in Slough, das ist in Südostengland, in der Nähe von Windsor. Ah. Ich bin 13 Jahre alt. Sehr gut. Hast du Geschwister? Ja, ich habe einen Bruder. Uh, wie heißt sie? Mein Bruder heißt Christopher. Er hat blondes Haare und blaue Augen. Ich habe eine Schwester. Sie heißt... Johan. 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 Ah, sehr gut. Ja. Uh, wie heißt du? Wie heißt du? I can't remember that. What are you asking me? What, what's what's name? my name? Yeah. Oh, mich heißt... Mich heißt... Ich heiße... It's Jonathan. Ah, entschuldigen Sie bitte. Wie komme ich am besten zum Bahnhof? <laughs> no, I haven't got a clue. I'll tell you the answer. Gehen Sie gerade aus, über die Kreuzen in der Bahnhof über der linken Seite. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Look at you. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Einfach klasse. Yeah, pardon? I said einfach klasse. Oh, right. Means first class. Steady. Oh, right. Steady. I see. What's on your show this morning? Coming up, we've just had, in many ways, a bilingual show, haven't we? <laughs> sort of. Coming up at nine on the big phone in, should the government fund an appeal for the Bali Drugs Gran? 
Uh, urgent court actions being brought against the British government today over a decision not to fund an appeal for the British grandmother sentenced to death in Indonesia for drug smuggling. You know this this uh, this woman? Shoot the firing squad. Shoot, exactly, they're going to shoot her. Incredible. She's 56 years old. She's a grandmother. She's uh, been sentenced to death by firing squad for smuggling almost five kilos of cocaine. Mm. Well, apparently the British government is not paying for her appeal. Right. She needs about £2,000 right. to appeal this decision, and the British government have said, well, we're not going to pay. It's up to her to pay that. Why? She hasn't got the money. Well, why should they pay? Why, why shouldn't they? She's a British citizen. The British government has said, we don't support the death penalty. In fact, we're actively, you know, we oppose this decision that yeah. they have made in Bali. Yeah. So if a country is, is absolutely opposed to the death penalty... Yeah and a British citizen is sentenced to the death penalty, does the British government not have some kind of responsibility to try and protect a British citizen from that kind of sentence? No. She did it, didn't she? Yes. So, no. So, we should just leave a British woman to be shot? Well, I mean... I don't agree with the death penalty, but if you're going to do these things in these countries where that is a potential uh, punishment, then... You know, on your head be it. Well, from nine this morning. But we've sold it. You don't need to do it. Well, well, I'd quite like to hear what other people think. But not we've just done it. I've told you. Well, yeah, I know. I know. I know you I've think told you that, the that you know everything. But I quite like to hear some of the other views in bedsides and bucks. If you insist. From nine, should the government fund an appeal for the barley drugs grant? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Ian says, yeah, just leave her. She could be your grandmother. Did your grandmother ever smuggle five kilos of cocaine? <laughs> no, no, neither did mine. I've tried to get out of this tactfully and I can't. Here we go. On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, Polish has become the most commonly spoken non-native language in England and Wales. That's according to the latest census. And we're embracing that here on the Ian Lee Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. I think it's fantastic that now more than half a million people speak Polish as their first language, placing it ahead of more established languages such as Punjabi and Urdu and behind only official languages, English and Welsh. Ren Behan from St Albans is of Polish heritage and is fluent in the language. Morning, Ren. Good morning, Jim Dobry, Yaksimash. Ah, Czech Yaksimash. <laughs> How are you? I'm, I'm good, thank you. I'm, there, there is a Polish phrase I want to try on you, but I, I, I do think it, I don't know if it's rude or not, so I'm, I'm going to hold off <laughs> from it. Um, I think so. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I should, because I was told it meant, I was told it meant, look at my gherkin. Ah. <laughs> but then, but then I, 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 t- I think I think you know why would you want to say that to somebody? Well, you, know, you might have a nice. Maybe you, it's not the most popular phrase, phrase you could probably be taught. But you might yeah, have maybe a, a good one. You might have a big gherkin. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I suspect Poles are very fond of their gherkin. <laughs> I, I suspect it means something. Your parents are Polish, aren't they? Yes, they are. That's right. I was actually born in England, but um, but all of my family going back through generations were Polish. Uh, my father actually fought in the um, Second World War uh, in the Polish army and then resettled over in Britain. So he came uh, over after after the war? Yeah, sort of, well, sort of in the middle of right. it. He was a very young man. He's 90, actually, this year. So wow. um, he's got lots of medals and he's a very proud uh, Polish veteran. But, um, yes, he joined the war age 16 over in Poland and he travelled all the way around the world with the Polish army under General Anders and then eventually settled back over here in Britain as a peacekeeper. Fantastic. What a story. You want to get that? You want to get that written down? That's incredible. Does yeah, we he? Do, we are. When he's, is is mum Polish? Yeah, mum. Um, all of mum's family were just out of a, a village uh, near to Krakow, and they um, 
actually, many of them stayed, and a lot of them have uh, sort of come over more recently. Mm. Uh, my mother was actually born in 46, so right in the middle of the war. Oh, wow. um, and it was very, very disruptive. Obviously, they all could, you know, kind of got um, moved out of Poland and um, spent a long time in, in labour camps and is, settlement camps. Is mum still with us? Yes. Okay, is, so, yes. so when mum and dad are having a chat, they, what, what do they speak in, English or Polish? No, Polish, yeah. We were brought up speaking Polish completely. I think until the age of five, my, Polish was my first language. Um, and wow. It was quite mad because, you know, I was born here, so yeah. really... Um, this is just really you're, you're taking on uh, the legacy and the, in the heritage of your parents, but they were very, very fiercely proud to be Polish and obviously believed that they would one day go back. So we were brought up speaking Polish. We actually went to a Polish Saturday school. We had a Polish church. Wow. Very similar to how things are now. These big communities are really sort of blossoming now with a new influx of Polish. Well, I was going to say, because now, now we, we, we kind of, it, it's so common to walk down the street and you see a Polsky mm. sklep. I don't know if I'm pronouncing yeah, that. Absolutely, but you, Polsky you, you see them everywhere. Uh, were you kind of a bit out on your own as a, as a young the, the, the child of, of Polish parents? Definitely. I mean, I had a Polish name. My, my name uh, was Renatka, so, you know, I, I was the only one in my school with a foreign name at the time. Uh, you know, oh, well, I bet the other kids had hilarious fun with that, didn't they? Yeah, I was a bit different, but I kind of embrace that now. And I think, well, it's really nice that we had a heritage and it's really amazing that we actually celebrated it and really, you know, really believed in it. You know, we we did everything in Polish. We we celebrated the history of Poland, the culture, the traditions. We did Polish dancing. We had, you know, Polish drama, theatre. You know, we really sort of embraced everything that was amazing and is amazing about Polish culture and history. Um, you know, much of which is, is now sort of a little bit lost, but I think mm. it's coming back to us again. So it's nice to see this revival, for me in particular, because it, it, I'm making sense of everything that happened in my childhood and my, and my upbringing, really. Do you remember, do you, can you still speak po- Polish fluently? Because my wife is half Greek and she learnt Greek and she could speak it fluently and she's kind of got yes. a little bit rustier as she's got older. Well, you do get rusty. I think that's the thing. I've never lived in Poland, so my Polish was always based on, on my parents' Polish and learning Polish at school. So we did do, actually, a Polish GCSE and a Polish A-level, and I actually did that a year before my other A-level. So in many ways, my Polish A-level is what got me into university. You know, I was wow. able to prove that I was very good at languages. I'd grown up with two languages, and you know, and I was then good at languages, so what, it made me better at French and Spanish. What and grades like did you that. get for the, for the GCSE and the A-level? Um, I got a B in my GCSE and a B in my A-level, so it really should have been an A, shouldn't it? But it was very hard, you know, you have to do a lot of Polish literature as well. Oh, really? Um, I, I'm tempted to do it again, actually, just to get that A. That has Oh, no, Ren, no, you, <laughs> you might get the C. It might, you might go know, backwards. it might have gone worse. But my sister lived in Poland for a time. Her husband worked out there, so her Polish is quite good. Just, you know, if you spend at least a year immersed, really, in the culture yeah. of, of the place, you're going to be a lot better. It's the but, second um, most spoken language... It in the is. United Kingdom. How does that make you feel? After English and Welsh, I yeah. think, yeah, we, we could all be learning Polish now, couldn't we? It is, it's amazing and it's quite, it's quite frightening in a way, isn't it? Mm. But I think, you know, I think people are embracing it and I think we have to embrace it. And I think, you know, we have to see the, the really good thing about Poles is that, you know, they, they are very friendly. They have fantastic senses of humour. They, they work very hard. Their work ethic and their family ethics. It's a cliche, strong. but it's true. We, the, the fellas that came and did our building, they get there, <laughs> seriously, they get there at seven in the morning, they'd leave about half seven at night, and then the fellow was always telling me about his, his little daughter, that their work ethic is, inc- is incredible. Yeah. And now, you know, it's more likely to be a doctor or a neurosurgeon or yep. somebody else, you know, because don't forget, Poles are incredibly well educated. Yeah, of course. Very high standard. So, you know, I think... 
they're, they're find, they find whatever work they can and they do it and they turn their hand to everything. And I think that's, it's very admirable to have that, you know, that sort of an ethic. You know, they're, they're not sort of slackers. You, you can't say that about them. They're very family orientated. You know, family is everything to a pole. And if you ever go to a Polish person's house, you know, you'll be so well looked after you won't believe it you know for the poll you know a guest in the home is god in their home they will absolutely 100% look after you as to the best of their ability right, listen we're running out of time before before i let you go it'll be foolish for me not to ask this could you say <laughs> you're listening to ian lee on bbc three counties radio in polish yeah i can say that so Swahami, sorry ian lee yes Swahami ian lee now bbc three counties radio dziękuję i i do zobaczenia you're fantastic. Ren, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate <laughs> thank it. You, Fascinating. There we go. Look at that. Wonderful. It's the second most spoken language in the country. Wonderful stuff. Right. Let's get the travel news now. Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, some road closures in uh, Luton, Russell Street and St Saviour's Crescent closed for ongoing police investigation work. So that's going to be closed for most of the day, but they are small roads, so shouldn't cause any traffic issues. The M1 southbound delays of uh, up to half an hour between Junction 13, that's uh, the Bedford turn down towards Junction 11, Dunstable, not helped by a, a broken down car earlier on, which has uh, been moved. Anticlockwise M25 delays from Junction 19, that's Watford round towards Junction 15, which is the M4. Uh, on the train, on First Capital Connect, delays of up to uh, an hour and a half on the Thameslink route between Bedford and Brighton. It's because a train's broken down at uh, Hassocks uh, in Sussex, so that hasn't really been affecting the trains so far in our region. It's really been affecting trains towards Brighton, uh, t- sorry, towards Bedford from the south coast, but it will soon start to have an effect at uh, departures at Bedford and, of course, other stations on the line, Flitwick, Luton and St Albans. So it hasn't quite reached our region, but that soon will start to have a knock-on effect. We've got uh, 20-minute delays as well. Well, into and out of uh, London King's Cross. That was because of overhead wire problems between St Neots and Biggleswade. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alan. We're a little bit late, so let's go straight to the news with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. A Buckinghamshire pensioner forced to sell her house to pay care home bills has been told the government's plans for a high-speed rail link nearby have rendered it worthless. Police have sealed off Russell Street in Luton while investigations continue into an incident in which a gun was fired yesterday. And most councils in England are to ask low-income households currently exempt from council tax to pay something to their local authorities. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester United have widened the gap at the top of the Premier League table to seven points after beating Southampton 2-1 at Old Trafford. Chelsea threw away a two-goal lead in the last two minutes at the Modeski Stadium to draw 2 all with Reading. Liverpool also squandered a 2-0 lead as Arsenal fought back to draw 2 all at the Emirates. And elsewhere in the Premier League, Tottenham drew one all with Norwich. Fulham were 3-1 winners over West Ham at Craven Cottage and Everton beat West Brom 2-1. Luton are in line for 230,000 pounds after their FA Cup fifth round tie at home to Millwall was selected for live television. The Hatters have posted ticket selling arrangements on their website for the game which will kick off at 12.45 on Saturday February the 16th and that will be shown on satellite channel ESPN. MK Dons at home to Barnsley won't be televised live. That kicks off at 3pm on Saturday the 16th. Red Bull team principal Christian Horner's had his contract extended by the Milton Keynes based Formula One team after being linked with a move to Ferrari. The Tilbrook outfit will chase a fourth success title in 2013. More from Simon Oxley. 
39-year-old Horner has agreed a multi-year extension, having been at the helm since Red Bull entered the sport in 2005 after taking over the Jaguar team. Red Bull and Sebastian Vettel have won the constructors' and drivers' titles for the past three years, and the Milton Keynes team are due to unveil their 2013 car at the factory on Sunday before testing starts in Spain on Tuesday. Finally, England's rugby union team to play Scotland on Saturday will be named this morning at 10.15. Former Bedford player Billy Twelvetrees is expected to make his debut with Saracens' Owen Farrell at fly half and Alex Good at fullback after overcoming a shoulder injury. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 9 o'clock. Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text charged at the standard network rate. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.33. 27 minutes to go until Jonathan Vernon Smith does his thing. Wonderful. Absolutely. The show has flown by this morning. If you've only just tuned in, well, you've missed... Uh, gold is probably too strong a word. Bronze. You've missed some bronze. Who, who doesn't want bronze first thing in the morning? Coming up in the last 30 minutes of the show, cheaper wigs are being provided on the NHS because of budget cuts. So many people are buying them from shops instead. You wear one. 08459 455 555. And Luton Town's FA Cup fifth round tie at home to Millwall has been selected for live television. I'll be speaking to managing director Gary Sweet to find out how he's been feeling about how he's feeling about the game. Now I've been asking, I'm going to this game more than likely. Don't hold me to it. Things change. And I've been asking uh, on the show and on Facebook for what I should take, what I need, and uh, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You've been very, very rude. Um, Carl says, plasters, bandages and bricks when Millwall are in town. Lol. Amanda says, suggest you stay at home in the warm and do something far more interesting and rewarding, like sleep. That's a bit harsh. Johnny says, got to agree with Amanda. Don't go. It's a trap. <laughs> Is it? It's a trap. It's Dealey setting me up. Lena. Riot gear. What? Peter Warby says, so, two mad people at 3CR then. Why on earth do you want to sit out in the wind and rain with a bunch of footy thugs and stale meat pies? LMFAO. What does that mean? Let me just Google that. LMF. Oh, my goodness gracious me. I've just seen what that means. How rude. Uh, cushion. Those seats are not very comfortable. Take some... Oh, no, I can't read that out. That's, that's, uh, no, I can't read that. We're going to delete that. that that's offensive. Um, uh, Ian, don't become a football... Idiot, for God's sakes. Take a look at polo. A sport for you, I think, but not footy. None of you are very supportive of my move into, into masculinity by going to a football match. I thought you'd all be behind this. Oh, well, we'll speak to Gary Sweet a bit later on and see what he says. Now, people who need wigs on the NHS are finding they're being provided with cheaper hairpieces because of budget cuts. That's according to the chairman of the Wig Suppliers Group. Uh, George Toiver told me earlier that many people who suffer from alopecia or are going through chemotherapy are forced to pay extra money towards the cost of their wig because many hospitals are not contributing enough. Well, Alan is from Milton Keynes. His wife, Pamela, is having treatment for cancer and she recently had a wig fitted using the service provided by Milton Keynes Hospital. Morning, Alan. Good morning. Uh, now, Pamela is kind of at the toughest stage of her treatment at the moment. How is she getting on? She's, she's OK. She's... Uh... She's had several treatments. Her cycle runs in a three-week cycle. At this very moment, she's very tired through yeah. chemotherapy. Um, has to spend a bit of time in bed, obviously. Yes. And you, you looking after well, are you? Cups of tea and I hope uh, so. good luck. Well done. It's, it's, <laughs> I it's, hope so. It's always a worry when you see someone you love being knocked for six because of the it treatment is. they're going through. But very um, much, yeah, very much so. Good for you. Well, listen. What did you? What was it like when uh, you found out that she was ill? First of all, 
Well, obviously, it's a, a bombshell. Um, she's been she's she's been uh, with this condition for ten years because mm. it's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and it's only in in the last few months that it's really hit her hard, and she's had to go on to chemotherapy treatment, and uh, as a result of that, she's doing very well. Mm. At what um, stage did she start losing her hair? After her first treatment. It was that the quick? the first two weeks of her, her, her treatment. Uh, and that's the most traumatic thing that she's gone through. Obviously, the, the whole thing is traumatic, but losing her, her hair for a woman is very traumatic, and uh, to see her so upset. Well, see, this is interesting, because you're, this is the third per- you're the third person to say this. Uh, uh, this morning, and that is interesting because uh, I would kind of think, "Hey, cancer, that's that's pretty bad." But it is different for a man, isn't it? Losing hair for a man is a com- is, is culturally com- completely different. Was it really that that traumatic for Pamela when when her hair started oh, to yes. go? Yes, very much so. Um, she was very upset leading up to the time that her hair started to fall out. Uh, waking up in the night, crying, worrying herself sick that mm. she was losing her hair. Women are. Uh, of course, their hair is their pride and joy. It always has been hers, and to lose it um, all in one fell swoop, basically, in the shower, and, and her hair fell out. Was it, was, it, was it that quick, Alan? It wasn't... It, it, was. it, it just happened? No, that... She obviously lost hair over a period of time, small mm. amounts, but on a particular day, uh, she's standing in the shower, and her hair came out. Oh, my God. And luckily, we were able to. Uh, she had already um, purchased some uh, bandanas to wear, mm. which, which obviously she did. But we're very, very fortunate to go through the system through the Macmillan unit at Milton Keynes Hospital mm. to go to the hairdressers at Newport Pagnell, where she was helped in- enormously. Hey, aren't those Macmillan nurses something else? Fantastic. Aren't they incredible? Wonderful. And not just not just great for the patient, but great for the whole family. Everybody. For everybody, yes. Absolutely fantastic. So where where did you go to, to get the wig for Pamela? We went to Christos, the hairdressers in Newport Pagnall. Oh, very very who, stylish Christos, yes. Excellent. Yeah. Um the girls are fantastic there. Uh the system is fantastic. Um run between them and the Macmillan unit. Wonderful. Um, uh, and I can have nothing but praise for the whole lot. So how does it work? You got the £63.35 from the NHS. Yes. What happens? You go in with a voucher and, and, and say, what can you do for this, yeah. or, or what? Yeah, they give you a referral to Christos from the Macmillan unit for that amount of money, and uh, then the girls sit you down, and we have a long chat, a cup of tea, and uh, talk it over, and uh, they show you the products that they have. And obviously you go from the basic uh, wig through to more expensive and uh, probably better made mm. wigs. I suppose that's the only way you can put it. But you, and you paid more, didn't you? Well, of course, yes. Um, as I said to your researcher yesterday, um, she's my wife. Yeah. Uh, and I'll pay what I have to. Can I ask how much you paid? Am I allowed to ask um, that? Well, I think the total was £170, yeah. but with the the, uh, the money that was taken off of it um, and the way that Christos runs the system, it was less than that that I actually paid out mm. the, the money, but the, the wig, I think, was £170 because yeah. that was the one that, that suited my wife best.
Uh, the NHS, of course, has to save money. They're making cuts everywhere. But w- would you like to see them contributing more towards the cost? I think the thing I'm learning this morning is just how important it is for, for, for women, more so than men, perhaps, to maintain their hair to some degree. Yes, of course, it's very important for the women. Um, I wouldn't want to go through it the way that they do. But, of course, more money would be uh, a great improvement for those women. Um, I don't know how the NHS would do it these days because, as you said, there are cutbacks in everything, aren't there? Mm. Um, but, yes, um, help, help the people that cannot afford to pay the, more, the, 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 the uh, excess on the money. And as um, Pamela, Pamela's obviously, she's resting, she's in bed, she's having a lie down. She's resting at the moment. Has she yes. got you doing the housework? And the, are, are you keeping busy? I am. Good yes. lad. Yes, I've, I've, I know how the washing machine works now. <laughs> I know. Does, uh, hey, have, your sh- have you shrunk your shirts? My wife's been no. shrinking my shirts. No, no, no. She, That's something. She gave me clear instructions on how to work it, on, on what uh, code to put the washing machine on, and, and uh, I also iron the shirts as well. Oh, so. I don't bother with that. I don't, okay. That's too much of a faff. I might get you to phone my wife up, Alan, and tell her how to use our washing machine. Listen, I really appreciate that. We've got to move on, but, but that's uh, Alan there, and send our best to Pamela. I hope uh, things work out. It's a particularly nasty disease, and that treatment is, is vicious. But, you know, hopefully it'll do the trick. Thank you very much, Alan, there, talking about his wife, Pamela. The BBC in beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I wish them the best. Not fun, is it? Listen, we jump around and there's, there's no point in uh, even trying to do a smooth link. So let's just go to Poland, shall we? Polish has become the most commonly spoken non-native language in England and Wales. That's according to the latest census. More than half a million people now speak Polish as their first language. Well, I sent uh, Justin Dealey, our uh, foreign correspondent, out to uh, find us some Polish people. You've had some success, have you, Justin? Yeah, Chester. Chester to you, which means Ooh. hello in Polish. <laughs> yeah. And you do it with such a lovely <laughs> British accent. Oh, I do as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when you go to France. Hey, bonjour. Pint of lager, please. Bonjour. Bonjour, no. So, yeah, it's been tough this morning because um, not many Polish people about. A lot of the delis and the supermarkets, they're closed until nine o'clock. So you're left in that awkward situation. Excuse me, are you Polish? And then you get that look. But uh, we got tipped off, Ian, yes. that uh, a Polish flight crew oh. were arriving in a certain Luton hotel at 8.15. Yeah. They actually arrived at 8.13. Oh, that's were, how good they are. Yeah, they're very, very good with their timing. So I found a couple more polls and I've tried to speak the language. This is what happened. Well, here's Zegosh, a.k.a. Greg. Is that correct? Exactly. Fantastic. Is there anything, and again, be honest about this, is there anything that you like about the UK? So we've got, uh, like this opportunity to, good, to do good shopping here. So it's the shops. Exactly. Anything else? That would be it. <laughs> <laughs> you Polish people are too honest for this. Um, so we're looking for a few Polish phrases. The weather is very windy today, which it is, of course, outside there. How would you say that in Polish? Jest bardzo wiecznie. How would you say smelly? Śmierdzące. Ian Lee, śmierdzące. And let's give a compliment as well. How would you say to somebody, I like your hair? Lubię twoje włosy. And again? Lubię twoje włosy. Lubię twoje włosy. Perfect. Just a charmer, aren't I? Really am a charmer. Is there a word that you find hard to say in English? Obviously, a few Polish words there, but what do you find hard to say in English? Because you, you have grasped the English language very well. The, the, the most difficult one would be the one that I would not pronounce now. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't say it. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so how long are you here in Lucen for? Uh, we're just for uh, a night. And tomorrow at noon we are leaving. 
Here's Angelica as well, wearing a lovely pink jacket this morning. Angelica, thank you very much indeed for your time. How would you say pink in Polish? Różowy. Różowy. And how would you say the weather's cold today? Jest bardzo zimno. And just one final question for you. If I wanted to learn Polish and speak it fluently, again, be realistic, be honest with me, how long do you think it would take me to learn your language? If I'm your teacher... Well, let's say two, three months. Oh, somebody earlier on told me seven years. So two to three months is pretty good going. I'm really good teacher. <laughs> I'll have to take you up on that offer. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. I have to... Justin, what? Mm. That was the, the steamiest bit of radio <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. If I was your teacher, yeah. I'm very good and teacher. You know what? I kid you not, I promise you, hand on my heart, I thought Cameron Diaz had walked into that hotel. She's the absolute spitting image of Cameron Diaz. How we went from seven years earlier on to two to three months, I don't know, but there you go. I am very good teacher. Yeah. Justin <laughs> Dealey, please. I think that we should have flagged up as for adults only. <laughs> and don't get them to say rude things about me in Polish, you idiots. Oh, no, it's great. I can use that in the future and you'll have no idea. Oh, I've accidentally cut you off. What a shame. 8.45 Travel News. How rude. Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, some road closures in uh, Luton, Russell Street and St Saviour's Crescent are closed for police investigation works are likely to be closed for most of the day, but they are small roads, so won't cause any delays for traffic. Uh, the M1 is heavy in patches southbound from Junction 13, Bedford, towards Junction 11 at uh, Dunstable, but uh, fairly short delays. Uh, the A1 southbound at Roxton at the Black Cat Roundabout, that's looking uh, quite busy, and M25 anti-clockwise slow in patches from Junction 19, Watford, round to Junction 15, which is the M4. Onto the trains, First Capital Connect have delays of up to an hour and a half on the Thameslink route between Bedford and Brighton. It's because a train has broken down at Hassocks. Uh, so far it hasn't really been affecting departures at uh, Bedford. It's really been affecting trains coming towards uh, Bedford from the south coast, but uh, soon it will start to have a knock-on effect with uh, departures at uh, Bedford, Flittick, Luton and St Albans, which will be affected within the next uh, few hours. Uh, uh, that's the latest. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alan. I suspect he stumbled there because even he was was sweating slightly from the steaminess of the last few minutes of this broadcast. Phew! 8.47 exactly. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Buckinghamshire pensioner forced to sell her house to pay care home bills has been told the government's plans for a high-speed rail link have rendered it worthless. Police have sealed off Russell Street in Luton while investigations continue into an incident in which a gun was fired yesterday. In sport, Luton FA Cup fifth round tie at home to Millwall has been selected for live television, which means an extra £230,000 for the club. And coming up, before nine, I'll be speaking to Luton Town's managing director, Gary Sweet, to find out how he's feeling about the big FA Cup tie. But before that, let's get the weather. Here's Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you once more. It looks mostly dry actually across the three counties at the moment but we've got some more showers heading in from the west at times. Now they could be quite heavy I think in places but uh, the good news is, is that they'll blow along quite swiftly I think in that rather blustery westerly breeze. So not lasting for too long but perhaps some heavy bursts of rain around at times. Lots of dry weather in between though. In fact I think for most of the afternoon it is looking dry and there'll be some good spells of sunshine out there. The temperature's rather mild 
mild for this time of year with highs of 9 or 10 degrees Celsius later on in Welling Garden City in Leighton Buzzard in Tring in Chesham as well 9 degrees Celsius here that's 45 in Fahrenheit so really quite mild now it will stay breezy into this evening and overnight I think dry for the first part of the night and then we've got some more rain pushing in from the southwest into tomorrow morning so it will be a rather soggy start to the day tomorrow once more quite a lot of rain falling within quite a short space of time a warning out from the Met Office for this as well that rain will last for much of the morning eventually easing off and we'll see longer spells of rain around tomorrow afternoon as well so all in all a rather damp day tomorrow and turning gradually colder as well a northerly breeze making it feel very chilly by the time we get to Friday evening we may even see a little bit of sleet and snow perhaps across the top of the Chilterns so a cold day on Saturday a bit of wet weather around at times turning a bit wintry I think over the tops of the hills the temperatures will start to recover by Sunday more rain on the way and it does look like we're going to stay cold again or get cold again rather into the middle of next week but keep posted and we'll uh, we'll update you as and when that's the forecast thank you elizabeth i am very good teacher Weekdays from three. Local news. Campaigners are holding a protest against a wind turbine that could be built near the Buckinghamshire village of Ford. Discussion. And we were told when he was five days old that the only way for him to have a life outside of a wheelchair would be to have a through-knee amputation at the age of one. Debate. Coming up after six, we've got an hour discussing business and finance. Later in the show, it's all about the entertainment world. It's the family and lifestyle debate. It's our politics panel discussing how politics affects us. Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Would you like a quick recap? If you've just tuned in, maybe you've turned on early because you want Jonathan Vernon Smith at nine o'clock. You don't normally listen to this nonsense. Can I give you a little taster of what you've missed so far this morning? These are the two highlights of this morning's show. Ian Lee is my bohaterem. See, by just by just tuning in for for Jonathan, you're missing all of that. You're missing all of that gold. Wonderful. I'm here from six o'clock every morning. It's well worth having a cheeky little listen. I, I, I promise you, we do do some good bits and pieces. Now, new research suggests that low-income families in most parts of England will have to pay more council tax from April. The government is cutting the support it provides, with councils told to pass the cost on or make savings elsewhere. Well, our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, has been looking into this. Paul, what's happening? Well, Ian, that's right. Council tax benefits are being uh, reduced, and those changes come into place from the 1st of April. And what councils are effectively having to do is cut uh, their sort of benefits budget by 10%. And what they've been doing is, is having a, a fair number of consultations on this, although I think it's fair to say that councils are fairly frustrated about the way in which uh, the government have imposed perhaps some of the, uh, the, the, the boundaries on where they can and can't make cuts. Um, some people are protected, so pensioners, uh, some disabled people, and also some people claiming benefits depending on which council you're in. So it means that if you're of working age, you'll probably and, and are receiving benefits at the moment or not paying council tax at the moment, the, the chances are you probably will start paying at least some of your benefits come the 1st of April. Now, one council leader told me this week from the three counties uh, that the government were moving the goalposts and that they actually had fewer and fewer options when it came to where they could and couldn't uh, spread these costs. So uh, from, from the council's perspective, they say that, that you know, it could leave them with perhaps a, a financial black hole because you know, at the moment, non-payment of council tax is already a problem, and the cost of pursuing people through the courts could be even higher than the revenues they get back. 
from the tax they could collect. Why is the government doing this, Paul? I'm assuming it's all just part of this uh, the austerity measures. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the government say that the, under, under the Labour government, more taxpayers' money was spent on benefits than on defence, education and health combined. They say that uh, these changes actually will mean uh, a real-term cut for, for working families and for pensioners in terms of the, the um, amount they have to pay, uh, and that they're on the side of, of people who work hard and want to get on. Now, Labour have said, well, that's deeply unfair and will leave millions of people unable to pay their bills. The Resolution Foundation, who I I believe you spoke to earlier on, said uh, the average council tax bill rise will be between 100 and 100 uh, sorry and 250 pounds a year for these people who are currently not paying anything um shall we have a look at some of the local areas yes how does it affect beds hearts and bucks well i have been looking at some of the some of the places let's 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 look at Hartsmere, where they've recently just announced what they're going to be doing um and they say that when so if you if you live in a, a property of e band council tax band e f g or h so the large properties they'll be calculated at 80 percent of the band D. So that means that they'll be paying, in effect, 20% more than those who live in the average house sizes. That's if you're on the benefits at the moment. Now, if you live in Milton Keynes, the council say there's a, a shortfall of around £1.8 million this year, and next year that would rise to £2.9 million, which is why they're having to bring this in. Now, they're exempting ev- uh, only pensioners, um, so that means that uh, an extra 10,000 people will start paying council tax. And central beds, they say that uh, the people who have the capacity to earn will have to to pay at least 25% of the total bill. So that means that even if you haven't been claiming or haven't, sorry, if you haven't been paying anything at the moment, you will at least have to start paying something. All of the councils at the moment, Ian, are also making some decisions at the moment. So they haven't necessarily in all cases fully agreed these changes and in some cases there are still consultations going on. Okay, Paul, listen, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much. Paul Scoynes, political uh, reporter talking about how these uh, changes to benefits could affect you and your council tax. Should we end on a slightly lighter note? We've had some, some heavy bits and pieces today. Should we end on something that's a little bit more celebratory? Luton Town's FA Cup fifth round tie at home to Millwall has been selected for the telly. It's going to be on live TV. It's going to kick off 12.45, Saturday lunchtime, February the 16th, and it'll be shown on ESPN. Tickets go on sale from 12 noon today. Well, we can talk now to Gary Sweet. Morning, Gary. Morning, Ian. How, uh, morning, all. How, how much money are you going to make from this? Uh, for the whole FA Cup run, it'll be in, in excess of about half a million pounds, which um, which is fantastic for the football club. Because That's not we, bad, we, is it? Yeah, I mean, but we do lose money every year, so so we still will have a deficit at the end of the year, but at least what we we're able to do is to put some of that money back into the progress of the football team itself. How does it work, Gary? Are you allowed to dip in there to get, like, a nice suit and uh, maybe a car or something? Uh, <laughs> definitely not, actually. Unfortunately not. I need a new suit, even though, you know, we might get one if we get to uh, get to Wembley in the FA Cup final. How's that? Well, when, when did you find out it was going to be televised? Does it work? Do you get a phone call saying, hey, got some good news, Gary, you're going to be on the telly? Basically, yeah, we, we found out the day before yesterday. We weren't sure of the arrangements, i.e. What, what time it was specifically or what channel it would be on, but we knew that we were going to pocket that, um, that that little bonus. So we were able then really to move in the transfer market and, um, and certainly make plans in terms of the ticket arrangements. I would imagine, listen, I know very little about football, Gary. I'm on the edge of my knowledge here, but I'm going to persevere. I would imagine the priority is getting um, back into the Football League. How do you balance that versus, the, you know, the rather pleasant distraction of having a good cup run? 
Well, it, it is it is very pleasant. I don't think it's a distraction because a win, you know winning games breeds a winning mentality, and certainly the money from an, from an FA Cup run um, does enable you to strengthen your side to um, to push forward in the league. So we see it as hand in hand, um, and I think that we you know we also until sort of 48 hours ago we were also in the FA Trophy which actually was probably more of a distraction right. uh, because of the number of games we'd have to play on that on a Saturday so luckily in a way we kind of on Tuesday night ducked out of that competition um, you know I think we um, we went up to Grimsby and, um, and and I think the lads were up for a win but I think um, you know they didn't really get out of second gear to be honest Listen I'm coming to this, this match this is, this is going to be the first football <laughs> match I have ever been to in my life so you must be you feeling honoured. No, I've never been to a football <laughs> match. Thirty-nine years old, never been. Uh, Justin Dealey is bringing me along. Is, do I need to bring anything? What, what, what do I do? Well, I'll leave you in the hands of Justin because he, he's an experienced pro at this, actually. Mm. But but come and say hello. I mean, we'll we'll look after you. We'll make sure it'll certainly be a good atmosphere. It'll be a, a great baptism for you, Ian. I, I think um, a baptism by a, fire is my, is my, <laughs> my concern. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I, I, look, it'll be a great atmosphere, actually. You know, we, we've met with Mil- Millwall. We're having a series of meetings with Millwall. They're a great club, and um, we get on well, the two clubs. And we're having a number of sort of very light-hearted um, events during the day, you know, maybe a game with community kids and things like that. So, you know, we're, we're, um, we're actually going to be celebrating the occasion. I mean, it's a very safe environment in the ground. Oh, I, I think, think all this talk of, you know, potential flashes back to, to 25 years ago, I think that's all nonsense. I think that yeah, everyone's yeah, moved yeah. on, haven't they? Uh, yeah, and finally, yeah. Catherine Boyle has, has, has given... Does this, does this mean anything to you, Gary? Have a listen. Do, do I need to shout something like that? Yeah, something like that, actually, precisely. <laughs> so just just quick reminder, this. <laughs> OK, I'll give it a go. Gary, listen, I shall come and say hello and shake hands if you're not too busy. Nice to talk to Please you. Do. Thank you very much. Please. That's the managing director there of uh, Town FC. Uh, Gary Sweet. I'm excited. I'm going to a football match. Jonathan, you should come along. Come along with me and Justin. Watch a bit of Luton Town and Millwall. He's shaking his head. I think he's pretending he can't hear me. He's, he's, oh, he's, he's got the uh, selective deafness. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Going to take a packed lunch, some sandwiches, some hula hoops, a Viscount biscuit, and maybe a Sakiora. I'm well in. This is going to be fantastic. Right. Travel news now. Alan Cowie. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, still road closures in place in Luton, uh, Russell Street and St Saviour's Crescent closed for investigation work. Uh, police will have said the roads will be closed for most of the day, but they are small roads, so shouldn't really cause any traffic issues. The M1 London-bound looking at slow from Junction 6A, which is the M25, down towards 5 at uh, Watford. Uh, the anti-clockwise M25, there's a lane blocked between Watford and Chorley Wood, Junctions 19 round to 18 because of an accident. Uh, traffic was already fairly busy along that section of the M25. On the train First Capital Connect have delays of up to an hour and a half on the Thameslink route between Bedford and Brighton. It's because a train's broken down at Hassocks. It's mainly been affecting trains towards Bedford from the south coast, but now it's going to start affecting the departures at uh, Bedford and uh, other stations on that line, such as uh, Flittick, Luton and St Albans. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thank you very much indeed. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? Who would have thought? We've had football, we've had Polish, we've had wigs, we've had all kinds of things. Back tomorrow at six o'clock. I don't know what's happening. I'm hoping we'll have a little bit of music at some point towards the end of the show. Jonathan Vernon-Smith is up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. It's Thursday. And on today's big phone-in...
I'm asking, should the government fund an appeal for the British grandma sentenced to death in Bali? 